All right. I'm here with, I'll say friend. Yeah. Okay. We're friends. <laughs> Daniel Humphreys. Daniel, say hello to everybody. Hello, everybody. Oh, I like that. <laughs> A little applause. <laughs> Glad to be here. All right. Uh, tell us about you. So, um, what do you want to know? There's just, you say, give me background. Okay. Well, cause you're not the normal Iowa kid. I am not. So I did, uh, Iowa is home. Cedar Rapids is home, but I did. Were you born here? I was. Okay. I'm glad I know that after knowing you for 16 years. Yeah. I did a stint out in California. (laughs) You make it sound like jet. Well, (laughs) like I was in prison. Yeah. Like I did a nickel. (laughs) Well, it was high school, so it felt like jail. Um, no, I went out to, I lived in, like I said, the Santa Barbara area and went to high school out there, did some growing up out there. Um, but most of my life I've lived in, in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. I got three kids, a fiance, and, uh, I do insurance for my nine to five. You've been doing insurance a long time. That's how we met. Long time. 16 years now. You know, you're the person we've known the longest in really? Cedar Rapids. Really? That one day we walked in the state farm office, you were working. That's so true. We have known you the longest. 2006. Yeah, and I saw that your daughter Gabby just turned 18 and it really brought me back because I was thinking you guys came into the office and like Gabby and I would sit there and like color and she'd draw pictures and I remember when she first learned how to write her name and yeah, that's that's crazy. And even back then you were saying a new customer. You saw a new customer, right? And they're like, We'll just chalk her up one day for a customer. <laughs> and then you guys used to write on the wall, right? In the office. We, Wouldn't you measure? Because that's what the kids, that's right. you would measure. And the kids were like, we got to go get measured. That's right. Yeah. We had in the back of the wall, all the kids that were like close to like our insurance family. And, and then our own, my own kids were all measured on the wall. We were measured on the wall. Did well, you, did you make it in a different wall? way <laughs> <laughs> through contest. That's true. Good point. <laughs> oh, you mean you actually physically height? Physically height. Oh, I yeah. thought you were talking about all the contests that used to be taped on the wall. There's that too. Yeah, yeah. Good so, times. You have a good memory. Don't tell Jan that I have selective memory. <laughs> um, so I wanted to chat with you because you kind of went through some changes in your life here recently that are big changes. Um, and they're kind of cool to me, I think. So I just kind of wanted to kind of talk to you about that as you kind of make this change in your life Mm -hmm. and you made a couple big decisions, kind of like you've always been this person who has been kind of quiet and stuff like that. And so I think you've made some major changes in your life. So I thought it'd be cool to talk to you and you're just a cool person. So it's kind of what the podcast is about. So kind of tell us your background in insurance. So, um, it's kind of funny. I was in Iowa City at the time, kind of going through. And I hate to bother you, but I think I'm going to record all my podcast here. (laughs) This big old couch, propping my feet up. We're super cozy here. Oh my goodness. Under a blanket, just that feels so, Rod's real good at making you feel comfortable. So this is perfect. This is awesome. Um, yeah, so I was living in Iowa City and I was kind of going through some like rough times, just, you know, in Iowa City, every, all my friends were going to college and I was just partying with my friends pretending that I was going to college. And um, my dad came out. out Some there. of your friends were probably too <laughs> pretending to go to college. Yeah. <laughs> looking I back. Think so now looking back for <laughs> sure. I always tell people, oh, when I was going to college and then I was like, wait, I didn't really like go to college. So, um, but my dad came out there to visit me and it was just kind of the perfect time. He, I was, my lease was just about to be over. I really like was kind of struggling at that time. And 
he offered me a position to work in his office. He had just been a state firm agent for about a year and thought that might be a good time to have me come in and work with him. And um, honestly, I didn't think I was going to be very good at it. I really didn't see myself being an insurance agent, told myself I was going to do it for six months and see how it went. And I just stayed. And I, he, yeah. how many, how long did you stay? I stayed in his office for 15 years. Long 15. Time. That is a long time. Like I said, we've known you since we moved here. Yeah. So there's some comfort in knowing you're working for your dad, but I'm sure there's also some things that make it difficult as well. For sure. So, um, he definitely taught me everything that I know. There was a, a core group when we first started, and one of the girls up in the front, and you remember Melissa Porter. Melissa! Hey, Melissa! Um, and she really taught me, like, customer service-wise, like, she taught me, like, the core stuff that I needed to know, and that that is that continues to take me and helps with in my success um, of just how you treat people. And that was, I was so grateful to learn all of that from Melissa. And then just the sales side of it, Jim, my dad, um, really... Uh, spent a lot of time kind of giving me that energy and, and that confidence. God, like, like you said earlier in the podcast, like I had no no confidence and I was just literally afraid of people in general. I, I'm pretty sure that we looked for things to buy just to have a reason to come to your office. Like questions you we probably did. need the answer to. You did. Because the, what you said about the customer service and the office, you and Melissa were, pro, were the tightest two people ever when it came to an office and just made it so much fun. And I just remember we would always bring brownies and cookies. And then you guys were like, we're trying to lose weight. Please stop bringing stuff. But we still kept bringing stuff. We still wanted you to bring <laughs> stuff. Like Jan, yeah, you you and Jan both would make some amazing things. Yeah, I miss that. So you started off on this journey in insurance with your dad. And what kind of when did you kind of feel like, okay, I've got it, or this is something I can really do. What really um, surprised me the most, I guess, is what, what I really enjoy doing is leading. Like I, I that's and selling insurance, you know, has been fun. And it's not even about selling insurance. Honestly, it's like the relationships that I've, uh, that I've been able to cultivate with people. Like that's really why I enjoy doing my job. Like actually having conversations with people, teaching them about insurance and letting them make their own decisions. Like but really, like, I'll spend, you know, an hour with a customer, and I would say, like, 10 minutes we're actually talking about insurance, and the rest of the time we're just getting to know each other. And um, I actually had a guy that had come into my office, and he said, the reason I, I wanted to come back to you is because you remembered my name when I walked into the office, and I had never had that with very many places before, and um, and that's the type of that's the type of uh, energy that I wanted to have when people would come into the office. Um, but, yeah, le- leading and seeing other team members grow was a big deal to me because when I started, um, I was so timid and shy and afraid. And then I saw where I was on the other side of that, where I had a little more confidence and, um, I'm like, anyone can do this. They just need the right leadership. And so I enjoyed seeing people grow and kind of come into themselves in that sense. So you can relax. You are choking that microphone to death. Oh my goodness. I'm literally shaking. <laughs> You're in your house on your couch under your blanket. Talking to my friend Rod. I'm more afraid of that dog over there. <laughs> That's what's making me nervous. Lexi's a little Chihuahua terrier, but she has a yeah. Those are the ones you gotta watch She's out got for. A big bark. Pitbulls. <laughs> okay, the Chihuahuas are the ones that are you gotta... Yeah, ankle ankle biters. So you you're growing Almost as much, well, the business takes off because I remember the early days 
you know, it was a scramble for you guys. The office was, there was so much drive in that office and you guys were always trying to move ahead and move up the ladder. At what point did it click for you? Um, Has it clicked? (laughs) Good question. Um, It's definitely clicked. Um, I would say maybe like three or four or five years in, um, we had gotten a team member in the office who I was um, really, like we were on the same level. And that was helpful because when I first came in, obviously I was the low man on the totem pole. And um, I wasn't in competition with those people that were already there. They were way, they were, you know, way above me. And so we had had a little bit of turnover and there was a person that was pretty much, we were on equal playing field. And that's where I saw um, my, myself take off, not just in sales, but just in confidence and, and, and in my abilities. Like I, I believed in myself. Um, and it was so helpful having just that competition between us in a, in a healthy way that we were able to remain friends, but also just have that competition and constantly leveling each other up. Like, you know, she'd get a sale and then I'm like, okay, like, what do I got to do? And I'd get my office and I'd, you know, make the calls I needed to make. And, um, it was just, yeah, a really fun, healthy competition. Was it healthy? Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> since we're being honest here, <laughs> you're right. It, it started off healthy, but, um, there was other things in that. Yeah. I don't know that I really, it was, it was difficult. Cause I also think, um, you know, in, in sales and in competition, there's also that like feeling of control and wanting to like, and for me, I'm like, oh yeah, like you, you know, you do your thing over there. I'll do my thing over here. But for some people, you know, they want to be, they want to win. They want to be the winner. And for me, I'm like, yeah, you get one, I get one. It'll all, you know, we're having fun over here, but I know some people are a little more competitive than I am and they take it a little too far. And so, yeah, there was definitely times like that too, where it, it, (laughs) <laughs> wasn't as healthy as um as it was for me maybe but in a kind of a weird way it wasn't healthy but it kind of made you a better agent better person in the business so it's kind of a weird kind of dynamic where it it's not healthy from a maybe relationship with your coworker, but it makes you a better agent absolutely that's that's you said it right there um <laughs> Good one, Rad. <laughs> Thank you for the kudos there. Um, absolutely. I actually remember coming into her office a few times and just wanting to communicate because that's what it's again, it whether you're selling insurance or you're leading a team, it's all about communication. And so while it was so uncomfortable to walk into her office and have hard conversations with her it was also necessary. And you're right. Like it was helping me to become a better agent and a better team member and a better leader. So I'm, I am, while they were hard things, like I absolutely grew from that. So you've, you're growing into business and the business is taking off. Um, kind of maybe together you're growing as an agent, as a person, the business is growing kind of when did you see it kind of like, Man, we're about, I'm personally going to take that next step. And maybe as an office, we're going to take the next step. So we moved offices. Um, we were, um, if you're here in Cedar Rapids, we were on Mount Vernon Road, and we moved over to First Avenue. Um, we had had some turnover a couple of times. Which not everybody was a fan of. Not everybody was. Yeah, we kind of went, came out. And honestly, like, I wasn't either. I'm like, our people are on Mount Vernon. Like, I could walk side. to the office. Yeah. And that's, uh, people found us because we were right there. And so it was a difficult move for not just the customers. It was difficult for us too. Like that was our, that was kind of our people. So. But a Domino's replaced you. So it's kind of a win. 
maybe even better, honestly. Yeah. It worked out. Yeah. Everything Dominus works out it. the way it's supposed to. <laughs> um, we had some turnover, but we um, we got this this new team, and it took a little while for us to find our vibe. Like, um, kind of getting to know each other. It wasn't all, like, rainbows and butterflies. Like, we had to really work and cultivate... Um, our, I don't know, friendship is the right word. We all did, we all did become friends, but initially, like, we really had some struggles as we kind of um, learned how to work together and learn each other's. Um, I want to say pros and cons, but that's not it. Like, they're. Uh, uh, give me some words, Rod. I'm trying to. Uh, Benefits. Yeah, I guess. Like your, yeah, like the things that you're good at, the things that maybe you're not so good at, and how to work. Strengths and weaknesses. Yes, that's it. Strengths and weaknesses. Okay, so the podcast doesn't work <laughs> if I'm doing all the words. Okay, that's just a monologue. Strength that's just me talking. And weaknesses. That's it. Um, and so then we were able to once we learned those, we were able to like play off of those. So while I was really strong in. Sometimes having the hard conversations, like that's where a strength of mine is. My other coworker might be really good at, you know, just a specific thing like life insurance. Like she was really good at that and how she just, you know, explained those uh, things to customers. And so we all learned where we were really, what we were really good at. And it made us just a more dynamic team. Um, I miss that. I really miss that team atmosphere and that just like, we're going, we're like, and it wasn't even about leadership at that time. Like my dad was there, but it was like, whether he was there or wasn't there, we showed up for, because we, we wanted to show up for ourselves and for each other. And so I think that's really where the, the, the change happened where it wasn't no longer, you know, Jim's running the show and he's the one keeping the energy up in the office. It was like, we kind of took over as leaders ourselves and wanted that far you know even more than he did so so the other thing i thought that was interesting about the business was you kind of taking charge you were like the leader everybody came to you and i think one of the dynamics that i wanted to ask you about was it's your dad you're working for so you talk about a team and vibing with everybody. How difficult was that to kind of be part of the team yet? The boss's daughter, the boss's daughter, your name's on the front sign, you know, that, you know, it's kind of like, that's a weird dynamic for you. Right. It definitely put me in the middle a lot of times because I absolutely could see as a team member where, um, where the struggles were or what, why people were having the struggles that we were, because we were on the front lines where Jim, and, and I even mean that in the physical sense, like we were up in the front of the office and Jim was, you know, in the back of the office. And so he didn't see that day-to-day stuff that was going on. And so I did feel like a liaison between like what was going on in the front and then kind of coming back. And um, so we would have a lot of conversations in his office of me trying to explain like, well, yeah, they're feeling like this, but this is why without trying to, I didn't want to break trust with my coworkers either. So that was just a really hard space to um, be in the middle. And so I would definitely, you know, always push, like if you have something like go talk to him about it, because I didn't want to feel like I was always like, 
if you tell Danielle something, she's going to go tell her dad. That is not at all what Snitch. I wanted. That is not at all what I wanted. But a lot of times what would happen was, Danielle, you go tell your dad. Like, it was kind of like everyone put that on me. Like, okay, Danielle, you, this is what we want to say. This, go say it. Go say it. You know? So um, I think that that was never really, never did I feel like a snitch. Um, Snitches dig ditches. <laughs> I know. I know that. Um, oh, that's right. You went, you lived in Cali. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. <laughs> West West Coast. West Coast. Um, So I never did I feel like a snitch. I always just felt like it was really trying to like get the office voice and let my dad know like what that um, voice was and then try to work with him, which was sometimes difficult as well um, because Jim and I have two different leadership styles. While I have learned a lot from him, there is still like we just we we lead differently. You remember the first situation where you had to go in and be the voice of the people and you really believed in the people and you knew he was going to disagree with you mm-hmm. what was that like oh man um it's a hard dynamic too because not only is he my boss but he's also my dad and um you know there's always this little girl in me that doesn't want to let her dad down or doesn't want to disappoint her dad and um in a lot of ways I was able to um float back and forth I guess I would say um, but it's so frustrating. I mean, I just remember there were times that I would just like get so angry. Like I would have angry tears cause it was just so frustrating. Like if you could just hear me, if you could just listen to what I'm trying to say, like you have no idea, like how, how good it could be if you could just, you know, hear what I'm saying and why everyone's feeling the way that they are. And, um, I just, um, I don't know. I guess I just wanted him to trust me in that way. If that makes sense, like trust me as a leader. Yeah. And I think, well, there's a weird because I worked in the office for less. So I was kind of like a customer and then I was kind of like part mm-hmm. of the team. And you can definitely tell you run the office. You you ran the office. You were the go-to person. I don't know how many times, you know, the first words out of somebody's mouth would be is Danielle in. Mm-hmm. Because that used to be me. Mm-hmm. I was like, if Melissa or Danielle didn't pick up the phone, just hang up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if that was a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because it was like, mm. Could be the most knowledgeable insurance person in the world, but you weren't Melissa or Danielle. Right. So it's just because yeah. now I got to explain you. So as the dynamic with your dad is evolving, you're taking on more responsibility in the office. How did you deal with that? Because um, really, you could, in my mind, I said it, you guys were like England, where Jim was the queen, where the queen's there almost like a, like for pictures and stuff and everything. <laughs> But like the Danielle was kind of like the leader, like parliament, like yes. the the prime minister and no, no disrespect or anything, but it, it kind of got to the point where maybe Jim could pull back because he did know you were there yeah. and, and you know, you could run the business. Yeah, I absolutely, he absolutely had the freedom and, um, and I was glad to give him that too. I know he had worked really hard to get where he was. And right. He, yeah. Let's just say he, he worked yeah, his butt off to kind of absolutely get to that level. Yeah. And that was his, that was his vision. And he, you know, worked really hard to get that vision to come to life. And, um, and I kind of understood that vision and wanted that for him as well. And that was the idea that I would somehow, you know, take over. And so as I'm taking over in the sense that, yeah, when people called, people only wanted to talk to me. And while I love that, like, I love that I, cause I know, I know what I'm doing and that's what people, you know, they want to call somebody and they want to know that they're going to be taken care of. And I was, I was so glad to be able to do that there. Um, but there also comes a point where when you're the only one that people want to talk to, it can be very overwhelming and trying to spread that around and then also teach people how to be 
to be like you, I guess, in that sense, like be themselves, but also to have that customer service where it's just like, when you walk in, people were always like, I feel like I'm family when I walk in here. Like, I feel like this just feels so comfortable. And we would, somebody would walk in the door, we'd greet them right away, offer them something to drink. We'd have snacks. If we were having a party, which we had lots of parties, you know, we would always invite customers <laughs> in to party with us. And we um, wanted to have joy. Like when people come in, we want to be, if someone's having, I almost loved when people were having bad days, just because my goal was like, I'm going to make them smile. Like I'm going to bring joy to them. And that was always a big goal of mine um, is just to get people to turn around. Like it's just insurance. It's not like, well, I was going to say it's, it's not a big deal, but it, I, it, we've all been through derecho here in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. So we know how big of a deal it can be. <laughs> so the business you're growing, the business is growing. You're taking on more of that dynamic. And then you made a big decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had been kind of thinking for a while that um, I wanted to make a change. And I really honestly didn't know what that looked like. I I, I thought it was going to be just a complete career change. Um, and I had thought about it for a long time. And um, I derecho really did take a hit on, on a lot of people in the insurance industry. It was hard. Um and we we insured like 5,000 people. So if, if, if an entire city is impacted and we have 5,000 customers, whew, um, it was rough. You know, we showed up every day that we didn't have power. Even the day of derecho, we were all working in the office. We didn't leave until 5. We came in the very next day. Like we didn't take time even to deal with our own stuff that was happening in our own homes. We showed up. We had no internet. We're writing on pieces of paper, you know, what we're filing claims on our cell phones. All my customers had my cell phone number. People are coming to my house asking me what to do. I mean, that's like, we were on the front lines of it. And while that was like every day, you know, as overwhelming as it was, it was also a feeling of like, this is why we do what we do. You know, like this is why customers come to us and this is why they're choosing us to be their agents is because when something bad happens, like we want to be there for them in a way that we typically can't be throughout the rest. I mean, they pay their premiums. We help them with billing issues, but people buy insurance so that way when something happens, like we can be there to help them through it. And so there was so much, I I don't know if I want to say, I guess good. I mean, there was a lot of good that came out of it. Just being there for people felt really rewarding. Um, but then, you know, a year goes by and you're still dealing with derecho. And then we also at that time were dealing with COVID and, um, it was a lot and our sales were down and we're still trying to maintain this like office and this, like, it was just so much. And, um, I had already been kind of, uh, with that idea that I wanted to do something on my own. Um, and so I made, the, I made the jump. Traitor. <laughs> I know there's not a lot of people that were very happy about it, but that was another thing too. And why I think I waited so long was because I was, um, I didn't want to disappoint anybody, you know? And I, I was worried so much about what everybody else was going to think about what I was doing that I, I didn't do what I needed to do for me. And, um, you were going to be like Simba at the top of the mountain <laughs> I know. to take over. I know that's how my Simba didn't run it. away. <laughs> Simba stayed. <laughs> didn't jump prides. <laughs> <laughs> um, like when I heard about it, I probably took a shot of something because I was like, because it was just like you became the business, you know, like you were the business Mm -hmm. and to step away, like 
personal, family, business, all those ties. I mean, how long did it take you to make that decision? A while. Years. <laughs> I mean, it was like years. Thank you. Wild doesn't work. Okay. Yeah. I, I got to have a num- numbers work. People relate to numbers. Yeah. I would say um, I was starting to feel like I wanted to walk away, like probably over like the last five years before I actually did it. But it was more like, oh, is my heart in this? Am I doing really what I love to do? Should I go back to school? It was just a lot of like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And in my mind at that time, it was like my own, if I wanted to stay in insurance, it was like I had to stay with State Farm. Like, they, like there wasn't another option. Um, and that's what I'm talking. That's what I'm talking about. It's like th- that's my path. That's yeah. you know. And, and I'm sure as successful as your dad was, there were people above him and above him that were like, "Oh, Danielle's just going to step in and yeah. be this awesome State Farm agent." Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's exactly it. And um, I know my dad was a hundred percent like just taken back. Like, I don't think, I mean, we, like he, he said before, we had a plan, you know, we had, he had a plan, he had a plan. And, um, and if I was a good daughter, I guess I was going to fit right into that plan. (laughs) So you said about five years ago, was that the first time since you started that you thought about changing or had you thought about changing earlier than that? Because there's kind of like a point where you get into a job and you're like, if I don't change now, there's probably a good chance I'm never going to change. So had you had a moment like that before? I had. And you know, really what it was, was um, I always like had this dream that I wanted to be a teacher. And so I always kind of held on to that as, but in my mind, being a teacher was like, I was going to work with kids. And um, as I kind of, I don't know, grew up, um, what I'm doing in insurance is I am teaching people and I do working with kids. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Sometimes (laughs) feels like it. I mean, insurance (laughs) is like speaking another language and my, my goal always, and Jim has, it's because of my dad that I, I feel this way, but making complex things simple. And I do feel like I have a gift in doing that. And so being able to teach people about, you know, their coverages and things like that, like that's, you know, that is part of teaching. Um, and so no, it wasn't just, there wasn't one like moment where I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. It was just a lot of like, God, I don't feel like I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Like just like kind of like that, like gnawing at you. But then I think to myself, well, how many people are doing what they want to (laughs) do? Lexi is over here smelling rad. (laughs) If you hear screaming, it's me. (laughs) All right. So that's a good little segue. So you are an insurance agent. Mm -hmm. And so, Insurance is one of those things that people, they have it, but they really don't know about it. It's almost like one of those, oh, I'm supposed to have insurance. And Mm so I wanted to kind of, you know, I sent you over a couple questions and you ignored them. So (laughs) you're not prepared for these questions. (laughs) And so we'll just fly it off the handle. Um, What are a couple of misconceptions people have about insurance? Because even until I started working in the business, um, I didn't know until, you know, you're kind of like, whoa, okay. So kind of what are some misconceptions people have about insurance? I feel like people feel the same way about insurance agents as they do feel about lawyers. Like they just don't really want to deal with them, you know, or Lexi. See? (laughs) Poor baby. I think I'm going to press nine one on my phone and just have the (laughs) other one ready just in case. Oh, so, um... So yeah, Jan, if you hear this, I'm over at Danielle's (laughs) just, and I know, you know, I know, you know where the house is. (laughs) 
Um, but yeah, I think that people don't really want to mess around with it. Like they just don't want to deal with insurance. It's like, what are you going to try to sell me? It's like car deal, you know, car dealers. What are you going to try to sell me next? And I hate that. Like, I never want people to feel that way about me. You know, like, yes, we are in the business of sales, but I want you to, I want you to tell me what you need, you know, like, I don't want to tell you what you need. And so I think that's, and I, and I'd like to say that that's a misconception about insurance agents, but that's a, there's a reason why that's, you know, that people feel that way about insurance agents. I might be different, but, and I know that there are a lot of good insurance agents out there. I just know that there also are some that, that those people are the reasons why, you know, people have misconceptions. So, um, yeah, I, and I've had moments like that, especially early on when I didn't know what I was doing where I did feel often that people just felt like I was trying to sell them something because I just, I didn't, I was so afraid of having just the conversation with people and just getting to know people. I was just like, okay, I'm supposed to sell this auto policy. And like, you know, and I'm just like feeling like I'm forcing something on them. And, um, and that's just not a good feeling and that's not what I want to do. So what do people need to know about insurance? Kind of like what the kind, cause there was stuff that I learned and I was like, oh, okay. And then kind of as it went along, like, man, that's nice to have this. It just kind of gives you that sense of peace of mind. Yeah. Yeah, And I think, um, unfortunately when bad things happen, we all learn from them. And so after Durate show and the flood, cause I was also doing an insurance during the flood of 08, um, that we learned through that, even as insurance agents, like we're human beings too. Like we are, we don't know the, the ins and outs of an insurance policy are, are big. And while the front of the numbers, like, oh, I know I have these coverages, that doesn't always mean that you're actually covered for those types of things. And so as being in the business as long as I have and experiencing some really big devastations in our city, um, for instance, backup of sewer and drain coverage. So the flood happened and everybody has flooding in their homes that shouldn't have flooding in their homes Nobody has flood insurance because we're not in an area that you would think that you would need flood insurance. But there's also people that are having water backing up into their homes and nobody had backup coverage. And that is an endorsement you have to actually add to your policy. And honestly, before the flood, I didn't even know that coverage was a thing, you know. And so but now I do. And I talk to every single person about it. (laughs) And um, and same with like after derecho um, condo owners, for instance, there's a coverage in there that um we will pay if you have a big devastation like derecho typically condo unit owners have a really big deductible and the condo unit owner uh, president will come after all the people in the in the complex or the, the condo unit owners and they'll ask for a portion of to pay the deductible of the association well there's a policy there's a part in your insurance that will pay for that and um before derecho we were only putting like a thousand dollars on that there were some um associations asking for $10,000. And so just those little bits of knowledge, like now we know that. So we're informing our customers in a better way too. So, um, but yeah, those are just some examples, especially after those big claim situations that, you know, we learned as agents too. What's the one piece of insurance that you think a lot of people don't have, but they probably do need to have? Uh, Back up. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. Um, There's, there's just, that's a big one on home, on the home side. But I would say the biggest actual like policy would be life insurance, like hands down. Um, A lot of people either feel like they're too young. They don't want to talk about it. They're invincible. Um, I have seen the other side of, of customers that, you know, that have been in my office 
that I have talked to about insurance that they've declined and they have had, they have passed away and there was nothing left for their, their family. You know, this particular one I'm thinking of was a young girl of 25 and died in a car accident and had three little kids, um, that had to go live with their grandma and their grandma didn't, you know, have anything to take care of those little kids. And, um, it's just so important and it doesn't have to be, you know, it doesn't have to some people think it's so expensive and it doesn't have to be, you know, if you, if you really are talking and telling an, a good agent will really try to want to know, they'll want to know about you and what you need. Is that noise supposed to be happening? I don't know. What did you do there? Just went away. Okay. Whatever you're doing. <laughs> I was just holding the oh, I'm squeezing the microphone too hard. <laughs> Whoops. Okay. I need to, I need to calm down. Um, you have a heart rate monitor on? Is it like going off the charts right now? Look, you've already made it 30 minutes. Nothing's happened. Well, except for feedback and fuzz in the air, yeah. but that's okay. Okay. I think I'm okay now. Okay. Um, but yeah, just seeing what she went through because she did come back. She came into the office quite a few times to just get advice on what to do. And um, so that's impactful. That changes things. And that definitely changes the way I talk to customers and, um, but sometimes things like that have to happen. Bad things have to happen for us to really learn and to be able to be better agents. And I think something big for us was, um, when we sat down with somebody in the office and this wasn't until I was in the office, shout out Devin. Um, and Devin's cold hearted. Why? I mean, she's like, she just breaks it down to like, this is what do you need? This is what you have. These are your responsibilities. How are you going to cover it? And it makes you think about it. Cause like you said, you don't want to think about it. Mm-hmm. But after talking with her and we're like, okay, we need to do this. When we finally got all of that taken care of, it's amazing. Like this giant weight seemed to be lifted off of our shoulders. And yeah. I think, the, and like you said, people are like, Oh, I can't afford it. And it's like, but yeah. can you afford the alternative? Well, you can't afford not to. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly it. Is if you don't have it, what is that going to look like for you and your family? And I, even, you know, I, 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 a lot of people, especially single people, are like, well, I don't need it. I don't have kids. I'm not married. I don't own my home yet. But what about your parents? You know, if something happens to you, what is that going to look like for them? Are they going to be able to go back to work right away? Do you have, you know, student loans that are going to be needing to be taken care of? Like, there's just a lot of things I don't think people think about until they've walked through something devastating like that um so and i've seen it both ways i've seen people that have had life insurance i've seen people that haven't does it take away from the pain and how hard it is to deal with an unbearable loss absolutely not but it does make things just a little bit easier and i think that's what Devin kind of like because you're like do you have a will and it was like something as simple as a will you know just like and then all the questions of okay your kids are under 18 who's going to take care of your kids and it's like then you start having that discussion and you know, who's going to make decisions for you. And luckily we had Danielle who had that pressure for about two months. Oh my gosh. I was like, are you sure you want me? (laughs) Had that pressure about two months. And I know every day she was like, God, please watch over these children. Watch over Jan and Rod. Please, please, please. I'm not ready to make any decisions. Is everything okay today? Do you wake up okay? (laughs) But again, that kind of goes to speak to who you were as an insurance yeah, agent, yeah. you know, it's kind of, it kind of goes full circle. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you could have that trust, but yeah, having that discussion with Devin and, you know, you know, Devin just looks at you like, okay, that answer is not good enough. Yeah. And it's like, wow, she's tough. But you know, like you said, those are tough conversations. So 
what would you suggest to somebody? Where do they start with insurance? Oh man, that's tough. I I would say because, um, like you said, there are points in your life where you're near, you're single, you're young, in your twenties. Um, but it's it's kind of weird because having breakfast with my son who's twenty, looking on their phone, you see a story about two people that got shot outside a club. Know, yeah. You know, here in town, one o'clock in the morning, mm-hmm. and and I was trying to tell him, and he's like. Oh, that had been building up. That had been building up. I was like, but so many times, because there was a shooting out in California where six people died, and none of the six people were involved mm-hmm. with the, the the beef between the two people. Yeah. And that's what I was trying to tell him. So it's like, you know, your life changes like that. Absolutely. Life is precious, and you just don't know what's, what's going to happen next. And in, yeah, even in our little town of Cedar Rapids, Iowa, it's like, yeah. Shit's getting real. So let's try to keep the podcast clean. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'll beat that out. <laughs> um, so would, in your insurance, is there some life? What do you, how do you approach people? You know, because it's like, you know, people are kind of like, okay, I need my car. You know, you kind of know I need car insurance. And if I have a house, I have home insurance. Or What got me was like renter's insurance, how a lot of people... I think if the landlord didn't say they needed renter insurance, yeah. wouldn't have renter's insurance. Yeah. That was always got me. That's a big one. Cause yeah, it's, I think people think that renter's insurance just covers their stuff. It also covers their liability. So yeah, like we've had, we had a customer, this is a, this is a, a funny, bad story, but they had a meth lab inside of their apartment. Do you cover that? <laughs> you know, it didn't end up being covered, unfortunately, but Business yeah, coverage. all of the damage that, that that thing caused. But yeah, but if you're cooking something and leave something on the stove and cause a fire, like that would be something that's covered by liability. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of things like that. I would say as far as you had asked me earlier, like where to start. And um, I do think like as parents, even like as you're, I, I talked to a guy the other day, and he's like, well, I've had the same company since I was 16 years old because that's who my parents had, you know? And I think that there is something about teaching your children young. I I know, I think even with your kids, I might have met with them when they were 16 and just explained what insurance was and what would happen in an accident and just kind of starting that really at a young age. But if you've never had that before, um, finding an agent that you can click with. I mean, it's okay to shop around. I know everyone's always wanting like the cheapest option and I totally get that. Absolutely. But it's also important that you have the coverage that you need and an agent that you can trust too. So, and I think working in the office, you—it's where you kind of found out that cheapest isn't always best. Yeah. And it, and I think it always seemed to find out when someone was in an accident with someone from another company, and you could really show somebody like apples to apples, like here's what we're covering and here's what they're covering, and then you and then because there were a lot of times when people were with another company, they saw how much our company was doing and they were like changing. Yeah. I, I've, it's, it is very price driven, but I think just as an agent being able to really, that's where I see the difference is when we're able to sit down and have conversations and, um, it's all on trust, you know, like, like I give my cell phone number to all my customers and they know that they can call me or reach out to me anytime that they need to. And I'm going to be there. Like that's, because it's important to me. And you're just that kind of person. And I'm just that kind of person. Absolutely. Which makes you a good agent. Thank you. Which kind of turns it away from how conscious are you to try to go against that used car salesman kind of idea? Say that again. How, how hard do you try to like 
when people come in and you say, okay, I want to make sure they don't have that used car salesman mm-hmm. thought in their mind? Oh, just right away. I mean, I'll sit down and we'll talk about not insurance things. Like, I don't even, like, I don't even really, I mean, I'll talk, I like to talk insurance, but like, I don't really want to talk, like, I want to talk about you. Like, let's talk about, like, what'd you do this weekend? Tell me about your family. Tell me about your grandkids. Like, I want to know about what's going on with you. It and is funny when you talk with you, you have your piece of paper, <laughs> then you start having arrows going everywhere <laughs> and you start going like that. And it's like, you've got, and the next thing you know, you've got like this page full of stuff. And I'm like, I don't remember talking about that much stuff. And, and you just keep branching out after more stuff. So I, I do like that. That's what's funny when we sat down and talked with you. There is a piece to like, I actually just hired my first employee and what I did. Yes. It's so exciting. <laughs> Let's bury the lead. Uh, yeah, it only took 40 minutes in to find out that you're expanding the business. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Does that mean you got an office now? I have that office on an office evolution. It's just like a shared office space. Yeah. The one we met in or do you have another yeah, one? Okay. No, that's okay. The one. That's the one. I, I just want to make I'm sure you weren't buying up half a Nubo as no, well. Not yet. Okay. That's hashtag goals. <laughs> <laughs> um, I forgot already the question that you asked me. <laughs> Making sure people don't feel like they're meeting with the used car salesman. Oh, yeah. As I forget the question. Um, but yes. she cares about you folks. <laughs> I do. Um, but we were talking about smart talk. You know, like, it's not just always about like, oh, what's, how's the weather out there? You know, like, um, it's, tell me what's going good. Tell me about your family. Because the more I, I haven't able, heard that in a long time. Yeah. Tell me what's going tell good. What's, I used to yeah. love that. There's, there's the more I can know, the more I know about you, I can also help you better when it comes to the insurance side of things too. So, um, while I genuinely do want to get to know people just because I think that's what life is all about is about connections. You know, um, it's not about how much money you make or how many policies you sell. It's about really connecting with people. Um, so yeah, I guess that's, I would say that's probably how I, how, how I, uh, get away from that used car salesman feel. I just, it's the deeper the connections are with people, the longer I have to talk to them, the better we both feel, I think. So you're on your own now. Mm-hmm. How's it feel? It feels really good. Like, like life, I have a lot, like you said, I've had a lot of changes over the last year. Um, and it hasn't been easy. It's been scary as hell. And um, Again, let's watch language. <laughs> Sorry, Rod. I kind of like to keep this broad. <laughs> So it's promoted for the kids. Yeah. Everybody. (laughs) Sorry, kids. People in the car don't have to switch it to something else. True, true. Don't want to try to keep that big E off the uh, Apple. You told me to (laughs) mute myself, Rod. I know I did. Kind of regretting that now. But we'll we'll work through it. We'll work through it. All right. Um, So, yeah, it was really scary and it went against everything. You know, like we all want to stay in our comfort zones. We all want to stay with what feels safe and but I like, as I've gotten older, I truly believe that life takes you exactly where you need to go. And sometimes I kind of went into the idea that I'm going to do this. And if I make mistakes, that's okay. I'm going to learn from them. If for whatever reason, this doesn't end up working out, that's going to be okay too, because I'm going to learn from that, you know, and I'm going to be on the path, exactly the path that I'm supposed to be on. And right now I feel really good about where I'm at. It feels really good to be a, a business owner. Like, I don't think that I can ever work for anybody ever again. And yeah, so I hired my first team member and I'm so excited about it. I'm like, as I'm meeting with him, I can just feel this like renewed energy within me. And I'm like, this is why I do what I do. Like just, he, 
he sat at my desk and he was just like, I can't even believe I'm sitting at like, at, like in an office at a desk. Like I am just so grateful for this opportunity. And just to see that kind of that energy in him is like, yes, anybody can do this. It's just, I can't teach you. I can't teach that energy though. Like I can't teach that. Um, excitement and the inner the the way he just wants to get out. Either there got the Kool Aid or you don't. I, I, yeah, I guess absolutely. And he's got it. Like he's never sold anything in his life. But honestly, like I don't care. I'm, I can teach him that stuff. But yeah, the the feeling. It's you of, hashtag boss man. Come on, <laughs> I, I can teach anybody. I can teach anybody because it's so easy. But you can't like to to actually have con- connections with people. That's a little harder to learn. Yeah. So. So it's. I'm, I'm trying to decide how I want to go, where I want to go next. Okay. But, but I want to talk. You said you made a change. It's like you you stayed in insurance, which there's a little bit of safety there because you know it. Mm-hmm. But I'm almost wondering, was it harder? Because the first thing that people may probably do is compare your success your dad's success Mm -hmm. so where did all that fit in because it's like you're you're breaking out into insurance well i know insurance you know insurance like the back of your hand Mm -hmm. but at the same time that almost makes it harder than say if you wanted to become a florist or anything like that because if you failed as a florist you didn't know anything about being a florist Mm -hmm. but if you struggle selling insurance it's like Mm -hmm. Yeah. You shouldn't struggle because A, you've been doing it. B, you've kind of seen the game plan. Yeah. And at any point where you did you ever cross your mind about having to go back to your dad's? <laughs> All really good questions, Rod. That's why I'm here. That's why I have a podcast, people. Um, yeah, I definitely had that feeling of living in my dad's shadow for a very, very long time. And I think when I was making the decision on what I was going to do as my next step, the next step felt like I do know insurance like the back of my hand. And why would I go start something completely new that I know nothing about um, when I know so much about this? And so I mentioned earlier how I thought like State Farm was the only option. And um, the, the day that I decided that I was going to make the move, I literally went to my LinkedIn page and I messaged, I just met, I had for five years, people had been asking me about, hey, do you want to be an agent for this company? Do you want to be an agent for this company? And I really didn't know a lot about other companies because State Farm was like in my blood, you know, like I just State Farm everything. And um, I've, I found I, this particular company that I messaged and the energy that he had was the energy that I wanted in a leader, you know, and I'm like, that's the energy that I as a leader, I want to be also for my team. And it just felt like the right fit, everything about the company that they represented was a company that I could represent. Um, cause that was important to me too. It couldn't be just like any company. Um, but I felt like going off onto my own, it kind of took me out of my dad's shadow. And I don't have that feeling of if I fail at this, um, it's going to look like it's going to be look bad. Is that, is that what you asked me earlier? Like if I fail, yeah, I, I just think that people, will people look at you, you're not a new agent starting out. So mm-hmm. people may not look at you or give you that grace period or what have mm-hmm. you of a new agent. It's almost like you're going to be, mm-hmm. I kind of figure like, it's like Tiger Woods' son. Mm-hmm. It's like you almost expect him to be good at yeah. golf, but still 
people won't give him the like the learning curve that yeah. every golfer goes through. It's almost like because of who right. your dad is, you get to automatically skip that learning curve when that's not the truth. So that so yes, to go back to that part is when in this new company, nobody knows my dad. If I stay with State Farm. Was that a conscious decision? That was. Everybody knows my dad at State Farm and I will absolutely be in his shadow and I will always have that feeling of for my and this is my own thing that I need to work through, but like not enough or inadequate. Even though I have, you know, like you said, I was running the show. I was doing all these things. There was just that feeling that I was not maybe going to be good enough. But coming over to this new company, it was like I could just be Danielle Humphreys, not Jim Humphreys daughter, you know, and that was what you felt like I did. Yeah. Um, How frustrating was that? It was a little frustrating, <laughs> you know, because it's like, like you said, I'm in his office running the office and his name is still on the sign out, outside. And I would even have situations where, you know, older people would come into the office and I was just a girl up front, you know, and I hated that. Like here I like, oh, is that why you put my desk first and you move that? <laughs> So you didn't have to be the girl, so you didn't have to like, be the girl up front anymore. I mean, even when I went to the back, it was like you know you're still answering calls, and people are just like called me a secretary of like oh, like nails on a chalkboard. So, so that was like frustrating. But I just I just felt like I needed a fresh start. Like I just felt like I needed to kind of leave all of that over there and just kind of start something fresh for myself and for my like just to have something of my own that I created, that I cultivated, that I, you know, t- my, my baby that I could take care of and grow. So what was that first day in your rental space? Like, um, what did you do? I'm not looking anymore. I don't know. Um, you know, it was the, the energy, um, at the beginning was unlike no other. Like, it was just like, I, felt like I was exactly where I was supposed to be. Like I had done a lot of training and I was like, I've got this, like, I know this business, but I'm a hundred percent commission only. So if I don't sell insurance, I don't get paid. And that's a really scary place to be. And I had just gotten, I had gotten a divorce. I was, you know, moving into a new home and I was thinking this is like, I don't have you know, my dad to help me out if I need, not that I ever needed it, but I mean, I did get a base pay and then I got commissioned on top of that. And I didn't have that like cushion or that safety net any longer. And so while that was really scary, it was also like, I had to trust that I knew exactly what I was doing. I know this business, I know what to do. And I, I, it's, it's just easy to let fear, um, kind of get in the way of all of that. And I had to, (laughs) I had to have a lot of moments where I just had to like, breathe and just push that fear down and know like Danielle you got this well awesome because there you just opened the door for me so we're going to go there so sweet so in all these changes let me see if I got everything right you got a divorce Mm -hmm. bought a new house Mm -hmm. got engaged Mm -hmm. got sober Mm -hmm. it's a pretty good run yeah a lot of people take 20 30 freaking years to do that you said hey I can probably do it in two years yeah Maybe not oh. all in that order, but yeah, all of those overachiever things Danielle. Happen. Danielle was always an overachiever. <laughs> we're going to make changes in our life. We're going to do it all in one bunch. Let's just I, rip the bandaid off. I do level up very quickly. <laughs> so this is the part where we make Danielle cry. So let's talk about those. I mean, man, those are some, you made so many huge changes in your life, mm-hmm. but looking at you now and listening to you talk, it's like, it's amazing well I, I use the word amazing but it's not amazing because you're danielle and you'll always be danielle to me 
Um, <laughs> it's almost like you're finally seeing the vision. I'm skipping ahead. We'll talk about other stuff, but it's almost like you're finally seeing the vision in yourself that I think some other people probably saw in you. Mm-hmm. Is that, would you say that's, that's true? Accurate. Yeah. I think it's um, another reason I have a podcast. Yeah. I think that, I mean, even as my dad, like, you know, your parents, they always see, they can, they know the greatness that's inside of you before you really can see it. And I know my dad's always been like, you know, you're a light and you're all of these things. And it was, I just, I'm like, well, you're my dad. You're supposed to say those things, you know? And, um, I think the real thing for me was when I, when I, I got sober and just living honestly and, um, letting all of the, up, like shame and guilt and all the things from my past, being able to kind of let go of all of that and just be true to who I really am. You know, all of the, the good and the bad and the ugly, um, our stories are all perfectly written um, to help us learn lessons so we can help other people. You know, like if I'm, you know, talking to somebody that's been through similar things that I have, we're going to be able to connect a lot differently than somebody that's never experienced those things. And so... Um, while all of it was really hard to go through, I'm so grateful that I like had those hard times so that way I can be now, thankfully, thank God on the other side of it. So we'll go through all these one at a time, but they didn't necessarily happen in this order. So we'll let the listener know that right away. So they don't think that Danielle is some crazy chick. Um, we'll we'll start with the sober thing. I remember the first time I heard that you said you were sober and the first thing that came to my mind was Danielle's not an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. And then I started thinking, well, you don't need to have, you don't have to be an alcoholic to get sober. Mm-hmm. So kind of talk through where you were at, kind of what drove you to make that decision and kind of how you progressed through that, where you're at now. And congratulations on two years. Thank you. So that is a true statement. You don't have to be an alcoholic to be sober, but I was an alcoholic and, um, you hit it very well. Yeah, it was very much a, um, what do they say, uh, when you can live your life like on normal, uh, what do they a call A functioning it? alcoholic. A functioning, I was, <laughs> doesn't sound like I'm functioning currently. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> very much a functioning alcoholic. And um, really when we talk about being an alcoholic, it's like you have an allergy. Like you, you can't just have one drink and set it down. And I definitely have that um, where I can't, I cannot control my drinking. And so um, through that process, I, um, I learned a lot about myself um, and had a lot of healing that I needed to do with, with uh, some really amazing people. Um, definitely not something I could have done all on my own because I certainly had tried to do it all on my own and it didn't work out for me very well. Um, but it's crazy because I've known you for 16, whatever, how long. I've never seen you drunk. Really? Yeah. Well, we, I mean, when you saw me though, it was like at the office, I didn't usually drink at the office, <laughs> but still it's like, it's, just, it's like I said, when I heard it, I was like, yeah. I was like, that's crazy talk. Yeah. But so you, you work through, was there one thing that make you said I've, that happened that said, I got to get sober oh. or was it something that you could see maybe if I keep going down this path, maybe not now, maybe not in two years, but at some point 
I'm going to be at a spot that is not good for anybody. Yeah. So both of those things really, um, when I was on my own before I had kids, I always feel like my kids kind of saved my life. Like I feel like because I had kids, they were my distraction and they were the thing that I could focus on. So I didn't think about drinking and everything else. So prior to having kids, I mean, granted, like we're in college and I know a lot of people are like, well, that's just how you are in college. Well, I don't think that I was the normal college student. Like I, you know, it wasn't just drinking. Like there was a lot of drugs involved too. It, when I was in my college, college, I um, <laughs> hanging out with my college friends that were going to college or whatever. But, um, but you weren't in college. Yeah, but I, I wasn't really in college. Um, so all of that was happening, and then I was going through some really rough times with my ex husband, and I had this feeling like if I know that we're no longer going to be married, I remember what life was like for me bef- when I didn't have kids, when the kids weren't in my home. And if we get a divorce, 50% of the time, I'm not going to have my kids in my house. And what is that going to look like for me? And I'm really good at keeping things hidden, obviously. Like, you're like, I didn't even know. And it's like, that's it. I don't, it's not something I want people to know about me, you know, or at that time, I didn't want people to know that side of me. I wanted to paint this picture and have this mask on that everyone thought I was, oh, Danielle is this person. But really, it's like under all of that bullshit. Sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Under all of that, like... I've never had to beep a podcast yet. <laughs> until now. I'm so sorry. It just came out. First for everything. Um, under all of that... And this is you sober. I know. I know, right? Under all the layers, though, of, like, what you're trying to mask, like, inside was just, like, a hurt little girl. Like, just... There's so much stuff that I had to work through with that. And now I can... I'm not like, I don't have a mask on anymore. Like I am an open book. Like I'll share any, like there's any part of my life. It's like, yeah, if I can help somebody else with their story, like I, that's what I want to do. Like, I don't want to, it's, it's lonely, you know, it's, it's even then, you know, I knew a lot about insurance. And so I felt very confident being in the office. But then as soon as I got home and into my regular life, I was so full of fear. I didn't want to talk to people. I was so scared. Um, it just, it changed my life. Again, a podcast where I learned something new about somebody I've known many, many years. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's interesting here you say, if I got a divorce, let's say every other week, you were afraid that you would fall back into that lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Like you'd go on some, some banger for a weekend, mm-hmm. and then I've got the kids next weekend. Mm-hmm. Do you think it would have been, you would have gotten to a point where... Y- y- instead of looking forward to the weekends with the kids, you would be looking forward to the weekends of going out and just, okay, they're going to get picked up at two o'clock on Friday. Mm -hmm. So I've got from two o'clock Friday to five o'clock Sunday Mm -hmm. to just go ripping through every bar in town. It's, it comes to free. It's like freedom. You know, I think of it like when I was at home, my dad was kind of more controlling growing up. And when I got off on my own away from my dad at 18, I mean, I moved out as soon as I could it's like freedom. And that's what I did with freedom. And then I was afraid after my divorce, it was going to be freedom again. And I was so afraid of what that was going to look like. Um, because I absolutely could see, I mean, it wasn't even really for me a question, like it was going to happen that way. Um, and so, yeah, I just needed to learn how to live life on life's terms, um, without, um, you know, masking that with alcohol and drugs. So, do you think this change would have happened if you'd stayed married? Do you think at some point you probably would have, you would have ever said, I need to get sober? 
I got sober while I was married. Okay. Um, so that did happen while I was married. Um, so yeah, I mean, I did. <laughs> I did it <laughs> while I was married. You did? I did. I have no sense of time. Yeah. Um, but I knew, like I said, kind of knowing how I was feeling at that time and where our relationship was, that it was definitely not, it was, it was ending. Was he supportive? Um, if, what do you mean supportive? Like, hey, you're, I'm getting sober. Okay, good. I mean, what can I do to help you? Um, he was supportive in the sense, like, yeah, I went to AA, but I think at that time, like, I was also a type of person that, um, I think being in an addict, a lot of addicts are, but we, we get real excited about something new and we go all in and then it phases out pretty quickly. And I think for him, he just thought it was something that I was getting into and that it was going to phase out. Um, he still drank, he was still drinking. And so, I mean, so when we say supportive, it's like, you know, here I am white knuckling it, you know, trying not to drink and there's vodka just sitting up in my cupboard or, you know, friends are coming over and they're all just still drinking and I'm, did they know? Oh, they know. Yeah. Oh, okay. For sure. I was curious. Yeah. And I tried to be okay with it. Like, these are my choices. Like I'm choosing this for me. They're obviously, they're not choosing that life and that's okay. Like that's just fine, but it's still, it was really hard. Especially so is it like being beginning. vegan, but somebody orders a steak at dinner? <laughs> I suppose. I'm not vegan. I really like steak. So. <laughs> <laughs> so you make the decision to be sober. Was was there ever a time where you did feel like, oh, this is just a flavor of the month? I, um, it was early on. I mean, I know you've heard that term like one day at a time. Um, and I hung on to that because I could, I thinking of the future and not drinking even for like to think six months of not drinking a year of not drinking like I would have like so much anxiety around that of the fear of like going to a wedding going to my first you know uh, fire pit barbecue you know a funeral like any big event in my life like or little event honestly like everything alcohol was uh, around and so um I couldn't I couldn't think too far ahead I just had to stay like I know today that I'm not going to drink and then tomorrow I'll worry about tomorrow and I have taken that principle, like, in just even in my work life, like, I don't need to worry about if I'm going to make sales or I'm going to make, you know, money next month. I'm going to worry about what I got to do right in front of me today. And if that's make, you know, 50 calls, then that's what I need to do. So it's just something that I've been able to use in my life in all aspects. So in those choices, have you found, how has being sober affected you with your job? Like, do you do you look at your job differently now or what kind of perspective has becoming sober given you on being an agent? I would say that I have way more confidence. Um, and I self love for myself. Like I remember a time thinking I will never, I don't know how, I, I don't know how to love myself. You know, everyone's saying I'm this or that, but I didn't believe anybody. And to be able to just have that self confidence and that self love of like, yeah, I might not be like this person or that person, but I'm me and I have something to bring important to bring to the table too, just like they do in their own ways. And, um, I, I, yeah, confidence, I would say is something I never, ever, ever thought that I would ever have. And, um, through sobriety, like I have, I have, are you kidding me? I know, I know people say this all the time. Like, I just can't believe that, but it is so true. Like I know insurance was different because I knew insurance, but like everything else in my life, I did not feel confident about. Like I just, I was scared all the time. I really was. Man, you put on a damn good <laughs> acting job, man. I really. Um, you should get an Oscar. Holy crap! 
I didn't have any friends around. Like, I really, like, I remember just, like, one, like, sitting in my closet with the door shut, just, like, crying because I, people knew. Oh, my God. This, people, now I'm going to cry. People, Stop the podcast. I'm getting ready to cry. People knew me, but they only, I only let them know parts of me. You know, like, they didn't know all of me. That is crazy. You know? If you knew Danielle in the office, you were, bo- like, you were boss in the office. You knew any situation. You could work through it. So to know that the nothing. minute you left the office, you it was almost the exact opposite. Yeah. Almost like Superman Clark Kent. Yeah. Superwoman, excuse me. Um, it's great. That is yeah. crazy to think. Well, and it's crazy to think that that's, that's my story, but there's a lot of people with that same story. And like depression and anxiety, that shit's real. I'm so sorry. Good thing we're sober and not playing the drinking game every time you cuss because I would need to get sober. Sorry, I'm making but a joke there. Like so, so, like, I mean, that is. I don't think you curse as much when you drink around me. It's kind of crazy to think. So, Just being real. Um, I, I'm blown away. I, I really, really am blown away it, it, because, but I guess it just goes to show this, like, what, the, like, a picture you can paint of yourself to other people, mm. which is crazy to think. Mm-hmm. So the soberness, you, you, you're working through this when, and, I, and I'm sure trying to get sober, you can never say I'm there because, you know, every day is, a is a new day and a journey. But was there a point where maybe you kind of got to maybe not the top of the mountain, but as you kind of stopped and looked at the top and looked where you came from, you were like, there's more. I'm closer to the top than I am from the bottom. Yeah, it's kind of hard to say that, like, with the mountain thing, because I also think, like, when you go up a mountain, you go down a mountain, you know? And so I think it's hard for... Half empty, half full. It's how you look at the mountain. <laughs> well, I think, because once you get up there, unless you're going to stay up there, which we, no one ever does, you know, you have to come back down. And so when I think of, my like, my sobriety in the two years, is I really do think of it more as, like, a journey and, like, this walk with, like, all of my people, like, my friends, you know? Like... It's this journey of, like, this isn't just my sobriety. Like, this is, like, everyone that's close to me that's helped me, like, get to this point. Like, it's theirs, too. And um, I there is, for me, there's no destination. Like, there's no, there's not, for me, is never going to be a point where I'm, like, I've got it. I've got it. Like, it's mine to have because it's not. Like, I've seen people, um, you know, with 10-plus years of sobriety drink again. and And their life has gotten right back to the way it was, you know? And so... For me, it's just, I am so grateful for where I'm at, and I definitely look back often because I think you have to have that consistent reflection of where I was and where I am now, Um, but I definitely don't ever want to take it for granted. So is that a fear of, like you said, the person who's been sober for 10 years and then has a drink, is that a fear or is that a reminder? Um, A little bit of both. I've really been, I've worked really hard and I'm still working hard on, like letting go of a lot of fears, you know, and just like living each day in in this moment. But of course, like I'm human and I definitely have that fear. Um, but also it's definitely a reminder. Like it's, it, this is a gift. Our, this life is a gift. This sobriety is a gift. And if I don't um, continue to work it like I need to, like it's, it could just suck me back in. So you're getting sober and then you decide to get a divorce. Mm-hmm. Now fit us 
tell us about that, how that all fits into kind of this trance. I I don't want to say call it a transformation Mm -hmm. because it was always inside you, maybe say a revelation of the new Daniel. So where does that fit into kind of where you were before and kind of that dynamic of fitting into A, your work um, at State Farm, and then B, as you're trying to think, hey, maybe I want to go out on my own. Yeah, so um, someone said, my, my therapist recently said to, said to me about, you know, I was like breaking ties with the things that were kind of holding me back. And um, I felt that very much in my dad's office, and I felt that very much in my marriage. Um, you were like a hot air balloon where they cut the ties, and then you were just floating away, <laughs> yeah. reaching new heights. I definitely need to be grounded, though, like for sure. <laughs> I need somebody to ground me. Um, but I just, my ex-husband is, a, you know, he's a, a great guy. It just, he wasn't the guy for me. And I felt myself several times um, trying to work on myself and level up and would find myself playing small because I knew he wasn't ready for that part of me. And I felt like I had to keep being this version of myself that no longer fit me. Um, and don't get me wrong. I mean, we went to counseling. We tried, like we did a lot of things to try to like work through a lot of things. It's just, I, cu- I just kept seeing things repeating themselves and repeating themselves and repeating themselves. And, and that's what life does. It repeats itself itself until you're ready to make those changes. And um, finally, it was like I've ha- I had enough, and I was like, okay, I need to, I need to, to do this. I need to do this on my own. So now, there was a time when you, and you could still be on it, but you went on this health kick that, like, see now you almost got me dropping f bombs. You, you like we're doing like marathons and running like, and I was just like working out and everything like that. Was that part of the change? Was that kind of these are like you sat down and said, okay, these are some changes I'm going to make. And they kind of all played into each other. Cause you were like stupid. He was like, he post on Facebook. Like it's five 30 in the morning. Like there's got that 15 miles done. And I'm like, are you crazy? <laughs> well, that's, that's didn't you run true, like a, like a marathon, like one day and a half marathon I've, the I've, next day? No, or? no, Rod, no, you're making it. No, I ran a half marathon, which is also very hard, but I, I was in the best shape of my life. I did do a Spartan, which was a really cool experience. And I, I really pushed myself at that time physically. Um, mentally, I was still kind of in, like, I was still drinking. I was still doing all those other things. But it was, like, physically. That was while you were drinking? Mm-hmm. Holy smokes. <laughs> yeah, physically, though, I was in the best shape of my life. But I still, it, it, I kind of in my mind thought if I could get to the right size, if I could get to the right weight, I'll have what I'm looking for. Mm. And, um, I got it. I got it. Like I could, can't even, like, I can't believe it, but I got to my goal weight. I got to, I was in the best shape of my life and, um, I didn't have, I didn't have it. I didn't have what it was I was looking for. You know, it, it was something was still missing. And how depressing was that? Or was it depressing? Yeah. I don't know if it was depressing as much as it's like, what, what, why did I think that, you know, why did I think that I, I think even as human beings maybe I was going to say women but maybe even just as human beings like we put so much emphasis on our bodies and our weights and you know how we look that I guess in my mind I thought if I looked good enough or I and uh and maybe even in my own marriage thinking if I was these things maybe our marriage would be different too you know and um and I really badly wanted something that that we could both 
have together. Like, I didn't know what that looked like. I didn't know what I was asking for, but I just knew I wanted something that was going to bring us together. Did when you did at any point did you think when I got to this weight? Well, maybe this wasn't the weight. I need to lose more. Or maybe I didn't have the right goal. I definitely felt like that body dysmorphia of like, but then I looked in the mirror and I was like, whoa, I think I need to gain. I actually had a moment where I was like, I think I need to gain weight. Yeah, you did. Because <laughs> it, it, it got kind of like addictive. And again, that whole addiction thing, like I was addicted to working out. I was addicted to like this health journey and that was not healthy either. Is that your personality though? You're just, when you latch onto something, it's to the end I have or to be nothing? very careful with it. And I, I, I really try very hard, like not to be over here, not to be over here, but there's, there's a third, always a third option in the middle somewhere. That's usually the better option. How long did it take you to find out? A long time. <laughs> <laughs> it helps better if you pause a second before answering the question. It gives me time to think of another question. So let's try that again. How long did it take you to find that? Like I said, I mean, through my sobriety journey and what I've been learning, it's like I can see it in myself now. And I see that it's almost like I can... I'm just learning um, about myself, like all the parts of me that have created, gotten me to where I'm at. You know, some of those things are the coping skills that we learn as kids, you know, to get through things and how those carry us as an adult and how we still use those same coping skills that no longer serve us. Um, and so it's, it's kind of through all of that stuff, through therapy, through sobriety, through, you know, everything that I've done in my journey to get me to here. It's, um, it was my cord. I'm sorry. I blamed you. Yeah, you did. I'm like, Oh, I got used to the noise. It's like, where'd it go? Um, it's a metaphor for life. Getting used to the noise. (laughs) Thank you, Daniel. You're welcome. Just gave me a tagline. (laughs) Just got used to the noise. Um, so yeah, now I feel like I, I, can recognize it more when I'm starting to get on something where I'm like going all the way over here and then I can stop in the middle and, and, and think about and pause. I would say the pause is the biggest piece. Okay. So we've gone over job change. Mm-hmm. You got sober. Mm-hmm. Got divorced. Mm-hmm. Lifestyle change. Mm-hmm. It was hard keeping up with you. It really was. My wife was giving me updates, and I'm like, oh, oh wait a minute. Hold on. Yeah. So she says, I met Danielle's girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And I was like, friend? Girlfriend. I was like, okay. Yeah. Newsflash. Didn't know that one. Yeah. Talk about that. Mm. So, yeah. And she's sitting here on the couch, so I'm like, I really got to choose the way I ask these questions. I'm really, or else that chihuahua's coming right at me. I know there's a, there's a snap or a word that's like, no, she loves talking about our journey. Our love. Um, wow. Yeah. Um, big change, big change for a lot of people. And I, and I, it's kind of funny cause I'm realizing, you know, I think there's, there's this expectation for me to feel like, why don't people understand me or why don't people love me or why don't, you know, why can't they just be happy for me? And it's like, I had this realization of, I do move quickly. I level up quickly. I get things quickly and I have to take a minute and let everyone play catch up, you know, like, because not everyone moves like I do. And it's not, I, it's not a, it's not a, I don't look at it anymore as something that's negative. That's just who I am as a person. Like it's important for me to continue to grow and grow and grow. Um, but yeah, I, I met Sherry, um, now my fiance. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. You got engaged in Red Rock, right? We did. Yeah. 
Red Rock, Iowa. Oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. Inside story there. Common mistake. Chatting with Danielle to set up this podcast, and she says, I'm in Red Rock. I'm like, take a picture of the steps for me. And she's like, Iowa. I'm like, I've not never this, heard. I've never heard. Thing. I've never heard of the steps in Red Rock, <laughs> Iowa. So maybe they don't have any. No, I don't think so. Okay. I don't think so. Lots of eagles, though. That was cool. Um, yeah. So, what part has Sherry played in all this? A huge part. Um, I, it, it's definitely. Um, Were you looking for? No, no. That's what I was just going to say. It wasn't something I was looking for, and I like. And even as I was getting sober, I, that's why I said I knew I was going to be by myself, and I was preparing for that. You know. And so when I met Sherry, I was completely unexpected, not something I was even, even in our first meeting, was that even a thought in my mind? It was like, this is a person who I feel like I've known my whole life, somebody that I'm connecting with on a level that I've never really connected in a relationship with before. And I started having like, kind of, as we're talking, I'm like having these feelings and I'm like, I don't like, it's like, you don't almost like recognize it, you know, like, is this really like what I'm feeling? And I kind of just like went with it and, um, she yeah she's actually you know um your hands trembling it's a it's it's scary (laughs) and funny all at the same time well i'm trying to put this into the right words but like uh, growing up if you make me cry i swear i will be so (laughs) mad and you will never get brownies from us again (laughs) growing up i always kind of had this feeling like i wasn't good enough and i wasn't lovable And so a lot of the relationships that I got in, it was like some man was giving me attention. And so that meant meant that I had to be in this relationship. And Sherry was like the first relationship that I felt like I had been in that felt like I was the one that was making the choice to be with her. Not because of, you know, she showed me attention or any of that. It just felt like, like I didn't have to ask my dad for permission. I didn't have, you know, like I would always go to everybody else to get everyone's opinion on things before I could make my own decisions. And like, she was like the first decision I made. Well, not, I shouldn't say the first because, you know, I did make these big decisions, but all of those decisions that I made were decisions I made on my own for the first time in my life that I was like choosing me and my intuition and believing in myself enough to know like, this is really what I'm supposed to do. And so, um, yeah, being with Sherry, like just, as hard as it was in the beginning, because I was still really scared. I was afraid of what everyone was going to think about me. I was afraid of being in public with her and holding her hand. Like I just was so afraid of what everyone else was going to think. Cause it, those, those old things were still holding on. And, um, and now it's like, I just, this is me, you know, like I'm still, regardless of if I'm with the woman, regardless if I, you know, I'm sober, regard, you know, whatever that, that is, I'm still who I am. I'm still me. I'm still, you know, um, Everyone says, like, you have this light about you. I still have that. You know, and I think maybe even more now because I'm in this relationship with somebody who I really, really love. And opening up my heart completely. And, God, that's really scary. Like, I've never done that before. I've never opened my my heart up and let someone in to love me because I really, I couldn't love myself. How could anyone else love me if I can't love myself? And um, so through this growth process of getting to know me, and letting somebody else and like I wouldn't have been ready for a relationship like that had I not gone through everything else. It's it's funny and amazing and scary how it seems like you made so many decisions that would alienate people and maybe I'm not gonna say force people because that's a decision they would make, mm-hmm. but where people could so easily at the snap of a finger 
just kind of cut ties with you. It's like so many, you left a job where you worked with your dad and you were kind of like Simba, heir apparent. Mm -hmm. And then you get divorced, which is potentially could make people choose sides. And then you're in this, you know, same sex relationship, which people may say for that, I can't agree with that. So it's just crazy how it's like you made all these decisions kind of almost to where you could put yourself out on that island. Did mm-hmm. did that come across your mind or did you just kind of get to a point where you said, to hell with it, I don't care, I, I'm, I'm making this decision, what happens, happens. I definitely was worried about it and I definitely went through those processes of that, the highs and the lows through all of that. I mean, Sherry can attest, like I, early on in our relationship, I was like, I don't even know that I can do this because I was so afraid of like what other people were going to think about what I was, you know, doing. And, um, there was at some point just kind of like, I had to like, just let it all go. And the people that wanted to stick around, were going to stick around. And the people that didn't, you know, they didn't, they don't have to. And, but what I have found is the more I am true to myself, the more people want to be a part of my life. Like I have more friends now than I ever have in my entire life and meaningful, real more friends or more Real friends, real friends, like, 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 yeah, more meaningful connections. I would say like relationships with people, not just like, yeah, like, you know, I hate small talk. Like I just, that's not my thing. And I, that's not the type of conversations I want to have with people. So yeah, the people I have in my life now are people that want to be in my life. And I would tell you, I have had a lot more positive feedback than negative. Like there's been a a handful of people that have given me negative feedback, but the, the majority of the people like are so supportive and loving and why do they care what I'm doing? Like, this is my life. <laughs> How hard is it? Was, was it this press that post button? Oh my God. <laughs> How long did it, how long did it take you to post that to, to say, how many times did you write it, erase it and then oh, write like it again week, and then would, finally say, okay, I'm going to hit that button. I would say a week. And you know, the funny thing about that post, what, what took a week? What made it take a week? I was afraid. I was so scared. I was so scared. And I think, again, I think my, my parents did know before I posted that, but I think that they thought it was just, again, something, oh, Danielle's just doing this. She'll, it, it's just, what it's a phase she's going to work through. Yeah. It's just a phase. It's not just a phase. <laughs> <laughs> it's not just a phase. <laughs> House, everything, engagement. Um, That's usually not how phases work. Yeah, it's not. And, um, Absolutely. Like, I feel like each, each thing made me feel just a little braver and a little stronger and a little more me. Um, so yeah, I think it's just even the, in the way that it happened and did it happen fast? I mean, I think fast is different for all of us. Like, I think that we all work at our own speed and while society has like an idea of what things should look like, I think you have to be true to yourself because everybody's on different paths. Everybody's at different speeds. So when you first had to tell your family, what what was that like? Um, and the first time you're like, family, this is Sherry. You know, I, I wish it was as sweet as that. Um, but my family wasn't told in a way that, like, I had control of. And um, so it wasn't an easy, um, it wasn't an easy thing. Um, so I felt like I was playing defensive the whole time. Like it wasn't something that I got to choose, like how they found out or like the way I told them, but it felt very, like I was on the defense. And so, yeah, early on it was just like, I just felt like I was 
like fighting and fighting and fighting. And I was like, I don't, this isn't about fighting. Like, I don't want to fight about this. This isn't something that like we, we need to have a winner or a loser. It's just like, this is just my life. And, um, and I'm choosing to love her and you can either choose to love me through that or not. Like, um, but it's, it's hard. It's really hard. And, um, what's that pull like, like, did, at, at any point, did you feel like you were disappointing your family? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I do tend to be like when you talk about fight or flight, like I'm a flight, like you're I'm like, get on board or get out, you know, like I have to have those tendencies and I have to be careful of those too. Cause it's also, it's while it's a coping mechanism, it's also something that can like, can be good in a lot of ways. It can hinder me in a lot of ways. And, um, but like I said earlier, like I know that I was moving at a pace that was so quick and people could not keep up with me. And now it's almost like I have to take a step back and just give everyone some time and some space to, to catch up, you know, if they want to. And I forgot to mention that if I start nodding off, it's not because you're boring. It's because this couch is so, <laughs> this couch is a fat kid's couch. It is huge. We wanted something big for the oh kids. Oh my and like, goodness. This is fat kid heaven right here. I'm in, oh, giant couch laid out. It. Ashley's furniture. I'm like laid out and I'm still not taking up. There's still a ton of couch left. So these, it, the things that you make all these decisions and I go back to the sobriety because becoming sober was the first thing, right? Mm -hmm. But now it seems like you're making all these decisions that are going to really test that sobriety. So, which then kind of seems to make the sobriety thing even harder. So how did you cope with that? How did, was it like beforehand you thought, all right, this is going to challenge me. So I've really got to knuckle down. Mm-hmm. God, it's, it, that's really hard because, um, you know, in sobriety, like they usually tell you like in your first year, don't make any major decisions. And they're like, geez, Danielle, like, what did we say? You know? And, um, every meeting you're coming with something new. And, it's- and I did feel like to keep my sobriety, the first decision kind of that through like that through this process was the divorce. And that felt like I needed, that needed to happen to actually keep my sobriety. Um, and then the job change and then, you know, my relationship with Sherry and Sherry is also sober. And so we also have that as like a common commonality and something that we like draw strength, you know, from each other too. Like there have been times where I felt like, God, like it's even just like a hard day, like I'm just really feeling it or we'll be somewhere and there's alcohol and it's like, it's right there, you know, and just having like, you know, her as somebody that's you know, reminding me of that, you know, that playlist from before, like, this is what it's going to end up. You take this drink and this is what's going to happen. And we know that we would not be in a relationship as healthy as we, as as strong and healthy as it is, if we had alcohol in our relationship, like there's just no way, like knowing both where we've come from and how alcohol has affected our lives. Like there's no way that we would be in a healthy relationship with alcohol were involved. So. Is that kind of something that drew you guys together? Kind of like, knowing your past mm-hmm. and then finding learning her past and then it's like wow there's i'm not alone mm-hmm. absolutely like there was so many things um but yeah definitely like knowing that she was sober and we kind of we had a lot of common things and just even as we were talking like just really big like interesting synchronicities even outside of sobriety but like um, like she grew up across the street from my grandparents and there was just like all of these like little things that were like we were close to each other and not really realizing that we were 
So. See, learning new stuff. Yeah. So had you met before? No, we hadn't. Never seen her. Mm-mm. Wow. Yeah, we met. At, she we, the first time we were ever together. She was at a fire pit, and I didn't even know her then. I didn't meet her until later, and so it was just kind of yeah, like just some. That's of the so GD that... Iowa. I swear to God, it is. We met at a fire pit playing corn. We were teamed up as cornhole partners. God, that's so Iowa. It is fire pits. It's crazy. It's the best. So, where are you at in your relationship now? Where do you from? Oh, 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 let me rephrase that. You talked about with your family not being able to do it the way you wanted to, and the struggle with it, and the advice that you got that wasn't the right advice. That's obviously something you've got to work on. Is it as hard as or harder than being sober? Being in a relationship with a woman, or what? The with with your family, the the all those kind of things that you have to fight through well and do you think you could have done it with is it easier because you were sober and gone through that battle to kind of say okay Mm -hmm. hey i remember when i was trying to get sober i had something sort of like this i think family's hard because like as we get like as i meet new people people only know a lot of people like just know this part of me you know and i'm able to share my past with them or whatever like my version of my story and my parents, they have their own version of my story and they have, they've, you know, seen me from the beginning. So they have a different, it's, and I try to put myself in their shoes because I have my own children too. And I think about how all we want to do is protect our kids and keep them safe and hopefully keep them on the right path, you know? And in my version of my path is obviously different than my parents' version of my path. And just feeling like, you know, I'm almost 40 years old. Like I'm grown. I'm an adult. Like I need, I don't, I need what? I, yeah, next year I'm going to be 40. <laughs> but I I need my parents, but not in the way that I've needed my parents up until this point. And I think working with my dad, those I allowed him to still be a father figure in a way that kind of kept me from growing. Pillows on this couch are awesome too, people. Let me just <laughs> know, tell I'm you. Like not seeing you. Um, but it kept me in this like arrested development kind of. And I think drinking does that as well where you, it's hard to mature, but I think working for my dad, like I just, I still felt like this little, like a dot, like a daughter or a little girl kind of. And, um, you were always going to be 12 year old Daniel. Yeah. And so I would always like come to him for advice and like check with him first. And I really made a lot of decision based off of like what his thoughts were, you know? So kind of coming off into my own, it's like, that's a really hard thing for like to walk away from that. And then for my family to like, when they're used to this dynamic that that once was is no longer like that takes time to figure that out. And what does a new normal look like? And our relationship isn't probably ever going to be the same as it was. It's not supposed to be. Um, but now it's like, we've got to go through all of that to figure out what does our relationship look like now? Okay. And so then you brought up another aspect as all these changes in making these decisions are your kids. Mm-hmm. So kind of how did that factor into each one? Because you're not making just a decision for yourself. You're mm-hmm. making a decision for your three kids as well. So mm-hmm. how did that kind of all play into things? Um, that was definitely, I would say, the hardest part of it all. Like harder than telling my parents, harder than, you know, working, you know, quitting State Farm, all of those things. It, it's they're, um my kids are my world. Like I love my kids so much. And 
I was kind of scared to tell them, um, not kind of very scared. I mean, the divorce, we had just kind of, the divorce was just final and now I'm here. I am, you know, we, we, we I moved out of my parent, uh, out of my ex-husband's house and with my parents, there was just all of these changes for them, you know, and it's one thing you're right. It's one thing for me to go through all of those changes, but then to ask my kids to go through all of those changes too is, is a big ask. Um, but I think that they've handled it in a way much better than anything that I could have expected them to handle it or even could have planned out myself. Um, there are Grace, my oldest is 14 and she is just, I mean, they're just, they're really open-minded kids. Like I think we're in a world now too, where they, I mean, one of her good friends is non-binary, you know, she's got a, a friend that's gay. Like these are things that kids are seeing that are more openly accepted. Um, and so it wasn't, I don't think for her, it was so much the idea of like, I'm with a woman as much as it was, you're in a new relationship, which I think that's super normal. And I can completely understand like that feeling of just trying to get, like get to know Sherry without making it feel like they're abandoning their dad. And, you know, it was a new, new for me to be in a new relationship with kids and for Sherry and I to kind of understand like what that looks like, what her role is in that, what my role is, what the kids, you know, there's just this whole nother dynamic, um, and then just making sure that they're okay too. Like I, um, the older two, I did, I do have them in therapy because I think therapy is helpful for everybody. I've been therapy myself and I just felt like they needed somebody that wasn't me or their dad to just talk them through some of the hard things that they're going through. And I've seen a huge shift, um, in them from that. So, um, because it wasn't, yeah, it's, it's our relationship, but it's also two divorced parents, you know, they're dealing with the divorce too. So. Amazing. Um, so where do you go forward? Because you have so many things to move forward from. You know, most people have like one or two things, but you have your sobriety, you have your business, you have your relationship. So kind of... Like what are my next steps? Yeah, kind of where do you... You've gone through a lot, and I say a short amount of time. Kind of where do you kind of see yourself now? What's... Because there's not a whole lot of more band-aids you can rip off. I have, I have dreams and goals. Um, I, do you think they're more realistic now? I do. I do. I, yeah, I used to just like, Oh, it'd be nice if someday I could do this. And now it's like, if I want to do something, I can do it. I can turn it into a reality. And it's like, and also to have support from somebody like, you know, a supportive partner like Sherry, like God, even just being able to like communicate and work through stuff with her is so good for me to learn with her in my like close relationship. And then being able to use those things I learn with other people and how to communicate well, you know? Um, but my goal I think for the future is, um, doing more things like this. Like I, Sherry and I have talked about, you know, having a podcast. There are enough podcasts already. We don't need more. <laughs> I know. I think for us, it's like just getting like talk, you know, we just want to get our, there, there is something about our story that is important and, um, and just being inclusive and, um, yeah, we just, we just feel like we both, there's something else out there for both of us. Like there's just this pull of feeling like there's something greater that I don't even know what that looks like yet. Um, I don't know if that's, you know, yeah, like life coaching podcast. Like I just, I don't know what that looks like, but I just feel like there's something that's like, I'm being shaped or molded to do something else. Like, and I don't know what that is. Not to say that I'm not going to keep doing insurance. I love doing what I'm doing, but I'm just saying that I just feel pulled to do something bigger than myself. So like the dreams you may have had five years ago, married, drinking, in your old job, can you look back at 
any of those dreams and say, okay, I can, I, that dream can now still happen. Um, I, I used to keep this journal of things, um, of like manifesting, like, like it's already happened. I am this or I, or I will do this or, or I have, I should say, I have done this. And I remember putting on there, like, I am confident. I am. And I just, every day I am confident. I even had on there, I married my best friend. And, um, because I really like, I thought for Brad and I, like, I wanted that to be our relationship. And, um, and so just, it's kind of funny going through some of those old journals and looking back and thinking, I am confident. I am marrying my best friend. You know, like there's just these things on there that feel like I, I, I never in a million years imagined I'd be where I'm at right now. And I don't even like, I, th- I still think there's more out there for me, but I just, if you knew how much fear and anxiety and just how afraid I really was like to be on the other side of that, I'm like, if I could help anybody just get, find themselves like I was able to, like, I just, I want that for people. Like, I don't, I don't want people to feel like they have to live in the dark. Like it's so much better on this side. And I do think it's possible for people if I can do it, I like, I've heard this and this sounds so like cheesy and cliche, but like, if I can do it, like anybody can, you know, that's so original. I know. I know. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's interesting. You say you journal kind of go, and that's what people find out when you listen to my podcast, I jump around, I'm scatterbrained. I'm losing my memory. My wife swears that I am. Um, <laughs> but those journals, was it hard to look back at them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, a little bit. Um, there's still things in there that like no, no, like no longer serve me. You know, like I there's things in there that I thought that I wanted that at the at the time, but I don't anymore. And I and being okay with that, like just to give an example, like I had this dream I wanted to run a marathon. Like I ran a marathon. I ran a marathon. And like looking back on that, I'm like I ran a half marathon. I felt really accomplished. And that felt really good because at that time I just needed something physical that I could do because all of the other things felt too hard. Like it felt too, how do you be confident? Like how do you learn to be confident? But like running a marathon, like I can train for that. Like I can figure out how the steps to do that. Um, so I, th- I actually also had on there, I no longer work at State Farm. That was another thing on there that I thought was like. How long ago did you write that? Whew, 2016 maybe. Okay. 17 um but yeah it was so yeah looking back on that it only took you what six years to act on it (laughs) okay and when i wrote it i was like i was even hesitant i was like because in this journal i was writing it was like you know just think of your wildest things like you know i live in a house on the water with tons of windows i drive you know a convertible like just all of these things that you just feel are kind of like pipe dreams and i remember even thinking like it was easier to write that I live on the water with these huge windows and drive a convertible than it was to write, I quit working at state farm. That felt to me like that's never going to happen. And so when I saw that, that did feel like emotional because it was like, wow, I hadn't looked at it in a long time. And so even making those decisions not to work there, I mean, that wasn't even, that part wasn't even a thought, but like I like manifested that, you know? So. Is it scary to look back at them? Is there, is there a bit of fear? Like, like might put a chink in kind of this new armor that you've made? No, I wouldn't say that. Um, I do have to, I do realize now I need to be very careful on what I write in those journals because they might come true. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but no, I don't think... I, I, there are some times when I look in... Not so much the, those types of journals, but like I have looked through old journals where I just was in a dark space. And when I read through those journals, those are hard to go through. Um 
because I remember where I was and it just, it's like, it's literally like picks me up and puts me right back in that, in in that moment. I guess that's the question. I guess the question to read these journals, as far as you've come Mm -hmm. is, is there a part of you that's afraid you're going to start, those feelings are going to come back and you're going to be like, Oh man, I've got to really fight this. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, reading those, it puts you back and, and not like what you're saying, but I have had moments like what you're saying where, um, I do struggle from anxiety and depression. And so when I'm, I, but my waves of good are a lot for like, I have a lot more days of good than I do bad. But when I have a couple of days, a string of days, a week of days where I feel those old um, old feelings of anxiety and depression, that's scary because I'm like, it brings me right back to where I was and how do I get out of this? Like, do, what do I need to do? And now I know that it, it does, like, I usually I'm like, I need to go see a, like my therapist. I need to talk this out with her. Like I need to just get whatever's in me out of me. Um, but even that is hard to do because when we're feeling depressed and anxious, like we don't want to like talk to anybody. We want to stay within. And so yeah, I, I would say that's probably the the biggest thing is just stepping outside of myself, getting out of me, um, and talking it out. So you say you you struggled with confidence, but now you have this confidence. How how are you keeping it? Um. So, I have a lot of f- sober friends um, that have um, similar. Um, like we have similar paths, I guess I would say that those are the people that I need to cling to. Like they're the people that I, um, reach out to when I, when I am struggling with whatever that is. Um, I also really do try to take one day at a time. Like I didn't even know what it was like to live in the, in the moment. I like, because I did suffer from anxiety. Anxiety is the fear of the future. Depression is, you know, whatever happened in the past. And, um, I never knew that. Yeah, um, I would have like, I, I would have a, like, we would have a conversation like this and like old me, we would have done this. Well, first of all, I would have never done this. <laughs> old me would have never done this, <laughs> but let's say I did, I would go, I would spend the rest of the day and probably a week just overthinking everything we just talked about. Why did I say this? I shouldn't have said this. I should have responded this way. Like I would have just overthought and overthought. That's and, what I do after I listen to these. <laughs> it would make me sick to my stomach and I don't have that anymore. Like it's been lifted from me and I'm like. I, I don't even, it, it just is bizarre to me. Like, I, it's so amazing. Like, it's, like, I don't know, it's nuts. This is crazy. I love doing this with people because it's like I learned so much about them. Yeah. So the anxiety, depression, we'll touch on that a little bit. C- kind of, it, it's amazing. I mean, to hear you say you didn't have this confidence and knowing you this whole time and kind of this life that you talk about, you know, nine to five, you're Danielle. And then after that, it's like this exact opposite. Mm-hmm. Um, but now you've got that confidence. How do you, th- I guess, how, how do you manifest that? How do you, how do you just like make that? Was it a little things that you saw that you're like, well, I'm making progress. I'm making progress. And then it's like, boom, you're there. You know, it's funny. I think about that all the time, like, I, because I wish I had, it was a magic pill, you know, like I wish it was one moment where I'm like, cause if I, if I had that, then I could just, this is what I did. This works, this works to like tell everybody about it, but it, it's not, it was so many little moments and conversations and stepping outside of myself. And 
you're like, honestly, I've been doing therapy for a long time. I've had different therapists. I'm on my third therapist now and she's, um, and each one served me in different ways. Like my last therapist was more like really working through all of those childhood trauma things that I needed to work through. And then now this one, it's like that, like, um, just that growing piece. And when I start to feel those old patterns, like how do I, how do I, um, move through that? Um, so therapy I've on medication for anxiety now, like that's, um, I used to be afraid to take medication. Like I just felt like the, um, just so much negative talk, I think around taking medicine or, or needing that. And it did take me a little while to find the right fit, but now I'm like, I, that is definitely a huge part of, you know, um, kind of keeping that anxiety at bay. And, um, I do have a a program that I work to stay sober and that's a huge part of it. Um, thinking of where I was two years ago when I got sober and where I'm at today, like again, not the same person. And I know like that has helped me. I've said yes to a lot more things I used to say no to. Um, but I haven't just said yes to everything. I've really learned to hone in on my intuition and like knowing what feels right. Um, and even learning how to use my intuition. It was like, simple things like on a menu between two things. Does this sound better or does this sound better? And then you feel weight and you feel for it. Okay. That feels better. Like knowing like that's my intuition. And so then when bigger things come up, I'm able to just say like, yeah, that feels right. So when people are making, when I'm making big decisions, like, should I leave my job, (laughs) you know, or which, or which job should I go to next? I feel that within me and know like, okay, that's the next right thing. And also going into the next right thing knowing that it's okay if I don't succeed letting go of that fear of I'm not I might not be the best at this has been huge like I'm okay with failing I I try to even play it out like what's the worst case scenario the worst case scenario for my current job is I get fired okay so then what happens like am I going to be okay yeah I'm going to be okay I still have my health I still am alive I still you know like everything is going to be okay but I just spent so much time worrying about the unknown that never happened and I just don't want to do that anymore. And so all these changes you've made, becoming this different person, your past being the college student, how do you change all this over to your kids? Because uh, I think as parents, you know, you always say, I want my kids to have a better life than I did. But mm-hmm. you've struggled to where you're finally getting that confidence that, mm-hmm. that, you know, just you break doors down and do what I want to do, but you're almost 40 to, you know, it took you. So how do you translate that to your kids and how do you think they've seen this change in you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So obviously our kids see everything that we do. I mean, we live by example. I mean, I can say whatever I want to my kids, but if I'm not living those principles, like they're, they're going to be like, well, you say this, but you do this. I mean, so I have to, um, I want to f- fill my kids up with, um, I want you to, I mean, I've, I heard this from somebody else. This isn't my own thing, but I want you to disappoint as many people as you can, even me, you know, I want you to be true to who you are. And there might be times where I come up to you and I might think I have a better thing that's better for you. But if you, you know, you, this is your life. This is your path. Like I have no control. The only person I have control of is me and they're all, they have three of their own little lives that they have to live through. And while of course I want to keep my kids safe and protected and I don't want anything bad to happen to them, they have to have things happen to them to learn. Like 
the most growing I have ever done is in the hardest times in my life, you know? And so if I keep them in a little safe box and nothing ever bad happens to them, how are they going to ever learn and live life? Like they just won't. Um, so that's one way. And then I would say the other way is, um, I try not to, I try just not to be too controlling. I was really controlled hardcore as a kid. And when you control people, not just kids, you were military people, I wasn't, I was not, (laughs) my dad was in the military, but not when I was living with him, Oh, but we did grow. There goes that excuse for you. (laughs) No, he was just really controlling. And, um, so when people are controlled and they're told not to do something and I don't, I mean, this isn't just kids. Like this is just people. I don't like to be told what to do. Not very many people like to be told what to do, especially addicts. Um, and when someone tells us what to do, it's like, okay, well, I'm going to do it anyway. Like I'm going to do what you're telling, you know? And so in 10 times that, yeah. And I did. And that's what happened is I, I don't go out and drink and party. Okay. Like (laughs) that's what I did, you know? And so with my own kids, like I try to keep them safe, but I also try to give them, you know, the, the right type of freedom for the ages that they're at, you know? So I have, I am an open book and I want to share my story, but then I was like, I don't want to like other people have their stories and I don't want to interfere with. So, yeah. Well, it's so funny because I wanted to ask you a question and I was going to say the name and I'm like, don't say the name. And then you said the name and I was like, okay. (laughs) So all your kids are, they're three different personalities. So different. And you know who my favorite is? Hazel. Oh, come on. Yes. (laughs) Come on. Hazel's going to be just like me. Hazel is a human highlight (laughs) show. Come on now. She's great. Yeah, she's definitely my most uh, challenging child, I would say. Well, I think we all have a child that is like us. Yeah. So that our parents can get revenge oh, on for us sure. through that. For sure. But they're all they're all really great people. Like they just they just surprise me every day. It's awesome. So you think they've seen these changes in you and like have any of them come up and said like you're different? Yeah, um Grace just was telling me about how proud she was that I'm sober and she's like I see a difference in you and um I used to I remember just yelling at my kids all of the time like I I couldn't hold back I was just angry like all like I remember screaming before work so loud that my throat hurt from like get your shoes on or whatever like just constantly on their asses about everything um and um, he's going to let that one pass. I, you know, I've decided it's going to happen to just, I can't react to it every time. Cause when I react to it, like a child, you're just going to do it more. So I just try to ignore you're right, it. Exactly. <laughs> um, and then I forgot what I was talking about. About your kids seeing the change in you and have they brought it up to you? Have, have they said, Hey, we can see this change in you. And you're saying that uh, grace was like, Oh, and now you were used to yell at your kids a lot. Oh, that's right. And then right. that yelling that's at right. the kids would translate to yelling at us in the office when you would get in. Yes. And so I think even that, like, I just feel so much more peaceful. Like when I have conversations, it's not like I'm just, we're all happy all the time, but like the more angry I am at the kids or the more I'm trying to be in control, the less out of control I am, the more angry they're going to be. So if I can, you know, if Hazel's having, you know, some fit that a seven-year-old will have over something silly like the TV or whatever, like I can now feel like I can get down on her level and calmly talk to her. Does it happen like that every time? No, it doesn't. But it certainly happens a lot more now than it ever used to before. Like, I just feel like I'm a lot more calm of a parent. Like I can talk to the kids. We have open conversations. They ask me like anything that they ask me, I've decided I'm going to tell them like, is like, I'm going to be as honest with them as I possibly can for the, their ages that they're at. So, um, 
I don't know. I, I just feel like my relationship with them has gotten a lot better. All right. So what is next? Well, I'm going to get married. No, that. <laughs> Still waiting for the invitation, but that's okay. We just got I, engaged like two weeks ago. So? Um, you know, You're I, obsessive, compulsive. And you, you know, you like to do things right away. I figured they would have been mailed already. I know, right? Um, I don't know what the next thing is. I mean, is. I'm assuming we're getting an invitation. I'm a, That's a big assumption. We've also talked about eloping. I don't know. Maybe nobody will get an invitation for Paul, Jan, and Arad. Go to hey, Vegas. Hey, best 550 <laughs> I ever spent in my life. Best $550 I ever spent in my life. I know, right? And we had 1,000 people at our reception. <laughs> what? We had 1,000 people at our wedding Was reception. Was it at like a Vegas hotel or something? Really? You're going to kill the dream? <laughs> You're going to kill the drink. Yes, it was. It was at the Bellagio. We had our, we went and had dinner at the Bellagio. So you can tell we had a thousand people at our reception. That's awesome. Yeah. I don't know what's next. I I know that that, that's something. um, Well, how big do you want the business to get? I mean, you're hiring a person. Yeah. I mean, you know, how big can that get? How big do you want it to get? You know, it's funny when you said big, I, when you said what's next, it wasn't, that's not the first thought that came to mind. Like I am excited about cultivating my business and like, and, and working that and hiring people and leading people. But I think that that is just a part of me. Like, you know, my work is just a, a part, but I think the bigger picture for me is how can I like help people? Like, I, I mean, I know I'm helping people We've with insurance, always done but that. I, I know, but I just think there's some, like I said earlier, like there's just something bigger that I don't even know what that is yet. You know, I just, I just don't, but I know like I've been put in front of enough people that are excited about the same things that I'm excited about that I think like there's going to be, yeah, some brainstorming and some big things coming. Okay. I'm going to circle back cause I can do it cause it's my podcast and kind of a, a question I forgot to ask earlier when you were trying to say. So you're the insurance agent, you're in the office and everybody's coming to you and you, you hear like people's worst, their house mm-hmm. burned down or the sewer backed up in a car accident. Do you think, what did hearing all that, I don't want to, I'm going to call it negativity, mm-hmm. but yeah, what did that do to you? Cause I feel like that probably, as you're saying, you were this Danielle from nine to five, but then when you left, you were completely different. Was it just like you didn't, you, you were taking everything in, mm-hmm. but you didn't have anywhere to put it out to where now you're in a relationship now and you're at a point in your life now where you can take all that in, but now you've got Sherry to help balance that mm-hmm. and, and on your sobriety to help balance that. Is that something that you've thought about and kind of, you know, kind of what did that play into it? Yeah, that's a really good question. And that is something that is very much a part of my life um, in a lot of ways, not just with work, but yeah. So th- at work, the work part of it was if I could, as long as I could get somebody turned around, I was like, that would feel good enough where I was okay with that. It was the people who I couldn't get turned around. The people that no matter what you say to them, they're just not happy people. And those, those people would be hard. Cause I've always been like, everybody like me, like trying to control everyone's feelings around me. And so that was more of just that internal, like I wanting like, to please everybody, yeah, wanting to please everybody, like wanting everyone to love me and accept me and all of those things. And I've let go of a lot of that now, but so I don't think that those would affect me like they used to, but I did. Um, but I do feel like when I'm a lot around a lot of energy, just in general, it does take a lot out of me. Um, I think that I, I do tend to be more like of an empath or like an empathetic person. And so 
when people are sharing their like struggles with me or their like the things that are going on in their lives, like I do take that on. And so that, that part is a little harder to, you know, just release. So, so you think, what do you have to give? What more do you kind of, is there like one, do you still journal? Not as much as I used to. What is there? Is there one thing where you're like, I've got to make this happen. I've this has to be one of my next steps in my growth and progression. So one of the things that's always been very scary to me is like public speaking. Like it's been something that I've avoided at all costs. Like even having to say something like, hi, I'm Danielle and I work at American National, you know, like just even like saying that would like, I'd sit there on the table sweating, waiting for my turn. And then, you know, thinking about the way I just said it (laughs) for like the next three hours. And, um, so I had, um, I've done a little bit of public speaking in small groups, but I had, um, somebody ask me about, um, speaking at a women's conference next year and I haven't submitted my application yet, but it is something that I feel like that's like the next thing I need to do. Like I just, for my growth, for standing on a, you know, on a stage and talking to, I don't know, a hundred, 200 women and sharing with them, um, you know, anything that I can share, anything that I can share with them that would be helpful for them, you know? And, um, I don't, again, I don't know what that looks like yet, but it's something that I'm like thinking that's the next step for me. The way you freaked out about this, that should be fun. (laughs) Do you remember the first time you asked me to do a podcast? I ask so many people and I get so many like, yeah, I'll do it. And then they really don't mean it. What did I, how long ago was it? It was when I was doing, um, we were doing like working out and lifting and you asked me to be a part of your podcast. And I was just like, yeah, maybe. And then I just couldn't get it out of my head. Like I was freaking out about it for weeks and weeks and weeks. And I was like, yeah, I just don't think I can do it. And then, um, Sherry and I were actually talking about like, yeah, we should like do a podcast. Like that would be fun. But what does that look like? Like just trying to like understand what that even means. And like, literally like, that day, I think you would message me and ask me again if I'd be on your podcast. And but that's no, not why I messaged you, though. Wasn't I asking you a different question? You were. Yep. I don't remember what the question was now, but like you would ask me. I'm sure, it was insurance related because that's probably <laughs> probably. And then you asked me to do that on the podcast, and I thought that was so interesting. How sometimes the universe just like speaks. You know, like you just have to follow it along, though. Like, and I and I'm way more open and willing than I ever was in my life before to like see those things, you know, see those moments of like, here we're talking about a podcast. Now Rod just asked me to do a podcast. Okay. I need to do that, you know? And, um, so yeah, I guess, like I said, just the, being the open and willing and just as experiences come, like knowing what's the, what's the next thing for me. The scary part for me is not asking people. It's when they say yes, Mm. because now it's like, Ooh, okay. I got to come up with questions. Mm -hmm. What are we going to talk about? Like this one scared me. This is the, really? this has been the scariest one for me to do. Really? Because it's somebody I've known the most, knowing everything that's kind of gone on in your life. Uh-huh. And then like, okay, how do I talk to her without asking that question? How do I talk to her without bringing that up? So that's why if someone could look at our text messaging, uh-huh. there's about 8 million times I ask you, what can we talk about? <laughs> I don't know if you noticed that, but every time we talked, I was like, okay, what can we talk about? What do you want to talk about? You tell me, cause I didn't want to, I didn't want to ask, but I wanted to ask. So I was just so afraid. I was like, okay, if she says we can't talk about this, where am I going to take it? If she says, and you're like, oh, I'm an open book. We can talk about anything. I'm like, yeah, that's the question. That's way the people, that's the answer people yeah. give, but they don't really mean it. I think the line comes of you. Of course I like, I want to, whatever I can talk about, but then it's also just 
other people are part of the story that I don't necessarily want to tell their stories. You know what I mean? Like, right. And that's what I want. Like, like I said, didn't want to mention your kids' names, but I still wanted to say, you know, kids are an important part yeah. of our lives and I know they're an important part of your life. And yeah. you know, how did, how does that tie into everything and how has that changed everything? Mm-hmm. So kind of where do you, so you you have this public speaking and kind of what do you think you can, you know, somebody hears this, we'll see, you know, not like I'm getting Joe Rogan numbers or anything like that. <laughs> For the two people that hear this. Yeah. <laughs> Me, you and Sherry that listen to this. Um, kind of if you get as you're okay, let's project forward. You're standing up in front of that conference. Mm. There's 200 women there. Mm-hmm. What would you want at least one of those women to get out of what you say? Cause I think that's, what's, interesting it's like when you speak to a group like that it's almost like i want to move everybody in the room but you're probably not going to but if you probably focus on one person mm-hmm. then you've kind of done that so what would you want to hope that someone's as they were at the dinner table with their significant other and they ask what did you do today and they're like i heard danielle speak today what do you mm-hmm. what would you kind of want them to get out of what you could, what you might say So uh, since the idea even got brought to me, I've been thinking about that almost every single day, wondering what that is going to look like. And there's uh, the obsessive part of Danielle again. (laughs) It does. It does keep me up at night. Um, I have like a lot of ideas and I think I do need to just get like writing things to get some more clarity around that. But definitely some of the things I've already talked about, like, um, like the the letting go of control. I think, I didn't realize how much I tried to control everybody around me and everybody's feelings. And I, and I, I'm sure like even just in my marriage, like how much I tried to control everything he was doing and, um, the way I tried to control my kids, the way I, um, you know, would try to manipulate people's feelings. And even I would find myself not only trying to control their feelings, but then manipulating and lying to get what I needed or wanted. And it's like, just that feeling of letting go of the control and literally letting the universe guide me and like being open to just whatever that looks like. Because once I start throwing expectations on things, it's gone, it's done. Like I'm going to be disappointed all of the time. So I guess like that would be probably my, I don't know. We'll see, we'll see. But like, I'm thinking like, yeah, I've like the control and like letting go of that, the ex, letting go of control and expectations and just living life on life's terms. But when you let go of control in a crazy way, aren't you in control finally? Exactly. Like, like when you can completely let go of control, aren't yes, you in control? That's it. Yep. Say less. Boom, right there. I could have saved you a lot of money in therapist. <laughs> Boom. All right, let's see. That's been a couple hours. We'll put a price on it All later. All right, sounds good. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Thank mm-hmm. you for doing this. Yeah, it's, thank you for asking me. It wasn't um, as scary as I thought it was going to be. Just a conversation, Rod, with my it's friend you. Rod. It's you. It's like, if you don't know you, then what do you know to talk about? Yeah, for sure. So, okay, you say the business, and I wasn't making it sound like it's all about business, but it, it kind of is, like, just the way you talked about, I hired somebody and teach, you could see your face light up. Mm-hmm. So the, I guess that's the, that's the way I'm asking the question, mm-hmm. is where can that go? 
because that you know you can just see like the way you're smiling at me right now <laughs> i mean i know i'm a good looking guy and i'm just a bright personality but the way you're you can yeah. almost you can see the wheels or like yeah like you, you can see you've thought about this and it's like yeah that's that that's gonna be my goal it's like i don't need to be the number one selling agent but if i can get three people to where they're just badass agents mm -hmm. Then I am the number one agent. Yeah, it's for me. It's like that belief in yourself, like that, getting that confidence. Like that's what I'm. Yeah, I just. Yeah, I'm so excited. You're right. I am so excited. <laughs> um, he like and just it's not just anybody. It's it's he is just the energy that I need, and and that's what I wanted. Like I want a team full of like. I don't care if you've never sold anything in your life. I don't care if you're not the best salesperson, but like. The way I want you, I want people to feel like when they walk out of my office that they just felt like they met somebody important to them, you know, like, um, that they're the most important person in the room. Like that's important to me. And I really, and I don't want to just, I don't want to just fake, like, I really want to cultivate that because that's, that's just so important to me. Like they're like, they're a project, but they're not a project. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. now, do you think maybe in this person you hired, you see a little bit of you and in that little bit of you, you maybe want to cultivate or yeah, he's, um, yeah, he's young. He's a, uh, 22, which is about, I started insurance when I was 23. And so he's young and he's so excited. He's like so excited that he's like busting at the seams while I might not have been that excited about insurance. <laughs> um, he, but he just talks so fast and it just reminds like, I had to keep like, slow down, slow down, slow down, you know? And I, that was the same thing. So many people were like, Danielle, slow down, slow down. And, but just seeing like, I can't wait to do this. I'm so excited. Like, thank you so much for this opportunity. And it really, it, it really is an opportunity. And regardless of what happens, you know, whether he becomes an agent, whether he only works in my office for a few months, I know that I'm going to like gain just as much from him as he's going to gain from me. Now, is it, is it almost to a point like when he leaves, it might be the happiest day? of your life. Yes. And I told him that I'm like, my goal for you someday is to be an agent. Like, I hope that for you, like, I want to help you get whether, okay, again, if, whether it's an agent or some, something else may be in leadership, it doesn't have to be insurance, but you're right. Like as long as it's on good terms and like, yeah, I want him to like leave and do the next level, like level up, you know, he's just here for a stepping stone. I know he's not going to work for me forever and I don't really want that. Right. Like I want him to just step here, learn everything. I'm going to fill him with everything that I have, and then he'll be off in his next his next thing. Look at you. Yeah. Crazy Danielle. <laughs> that I meant 2006. Who would have known? <laughs> so long. Who would have known you would have turned into this? You're right. Remember me bringing Willow in, and Willow just sitting at yeah, the front door? Yeah, I do. Big giant She sat in Jim's thing. office. Remember when we took a picture because Jim wasn't there? Oh, like, yeah, oh meet our new chair. agent. <laughs> yeah, in his chair. That was awesome. You did a lot of bad things when Jim was out of the office. I did. We did. <laughs> don't gonna, put don't I'm put we into it. In don't put we into it. Um, okay, as you look back at your journey, what are a couple words that you think you could find to describe your journey? Another great that's question. That's like the hardest question of all. And that's why you didn't get it two hours ago, baby. I wanted two just words. Not two words, just a couple words. How would you describe? Because to me, I would describe it as crazy, ad adventurous. Okay I, got it. okay. I would just say leveling up, level up for me. 
every like every single thing that I've done, small and big, has just been it's taken me a little bit from here to here, a little bit from some of them have like been big gaps, some of them have been little gaps, but I would say everything has just been like a level up. And while sometimes like I do feel like a little bit of like a step backwards, that's okay. Like I still feel like you know I'm still going in the right. Your direction. step backward is a step forward. Yes. Yes, absolutely. For sure. Okay. Not quite 40-year-old Danielle. I did just turn 39, so we can be 39 for a while. 39-year-old Danielle (laughs) walks into that club in Iowa City and Mm. sees 18-year-old Danielle. Mm. What kind of conversation does she have with her? Another great, Jeez another Louise. banger Save of a all question the big ones for the end. That's right. We're gonna. You hadn't cried. I got you close a couple times. So here's where we pull the knockout punch. I would just say I love you. You're worthy. You're enough. I think those are the things that I struggled with the most. Like I just didn't. Okay. Feel. The whole idea of the question was to make you cry, not make me cry. <laughs> I love you, Rod. Thank you. You're worthy and you're enough. Thank you. (laughs) And you want to know something crazy? I've felt that way since day one. Mm -hmm. You've always been part of our family. Well, that's it. Thank you. Thank you so much. That might be the one. (laughs) And I feel that. Like, yeah, you guys are awesome. You've been a part of our family. family. Yeah. Well, thank you. I can't thank you enough. Thank you. I love it. Sherry, thank you for letting me use your couch. I am not. I'm going to stop recording. I'm just going to go to sleep. I'm going to take a nap. <laughs> we'll leave you to it. I can't. I got to check Jan's progress driving back from Chicago uh-huh. to get the house clean. Oh, geez. So I got chores to, to do. But thank you. You're welcome to come on anytime. Thank you. Um, when I can do, we'll get another mic and we'll let Sherry be able to tell her side oh, of the story. There we go. I like um, it people want to get in touch with you how can they um do i give them like my phone number and email or that's usually how people get in contact with you i mean okay well my... we still provide a service last okay. time i checked well so. my email is uh danielle d-a-n-i-e-l-l-e at humphreys h-u-m-p-h-r-e-y-s dot pro p-r-o and um, my phone number, this is my cell phone number I'm giving out to the world, is 319-651-2469. Yeah, and call or text anytime. Half the world already has it already. Good <laughs> point. Good point. <laughs> I mean, they, Danielle, I've got water coming in. And All those claims people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, so we'll end with someone meets you for the first time. They walk away. What do you want them to remember about Danielle? Mm-hmm. I had a customer say to me once um, when I met with Danielle, she just made me feel like I was her only customer and that she was, I was the only person, like the most important person in the room. And that just like was the best compliment I think I've ever received. And so I would say that would be what it is. Okay. And on that, we'll end with a little applause. Danielle, thank you so much for doing this. Thanks, Ed. See, you survived and there's nothing to worry about. I didn't die. Oh, thank you.